Hello and welcome to show number two of the Voices of Reason. I'm Ryan once again, and we have John, Sam, Nick, Andy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We hope you guys enjoyed the the first show. Um, we're going to change the format a little bit. Uh, we're coming at you from the house that Stoyan built. I, I didn't build. I bought it. Uh, the house that Stoyan bought. I, I, I rebuilt it. The house of sure. the house of Stoyan. Huh? Works, right. works for me. <laughs> we're going to switch the format up a little bit. We got a little long winded in the first one, so we're going to try something a little different. Uh, the show's going to be broken into three periods with an overtime period at the end. So we're going to start off with three topics. Uh, we'll hit on each topic for a little while, and then uh, we really enjoyed Andy's on-the-record segment at the end of the last show. Oh, thank you. That got us extremely uh, fired up a little bit. So uh, we're going to hit the on-the-record at the end, starting oh, off, going to jump right into it. We got the AAF closing, the Alliance of American Football, shutting down, not even finishing the whole season. Um, and then what does that mean for the the XFL, which is – Plan to start February of 2020. Um, the XFL is owned by Vincent Kennedy McMahon from the WWE. Uh, sold a ton of stock, um, mil- millions and millions and millions of dollars of stock. It's a lot of money. Several hundred million. Actually. He's, he's bankrolling the league by himself. To uh, to start again. This is this is round two of the XFL. Um, it's been 19 years. No. 2001. Are you serious? It's been a long time. Man, he hate me. I still remember Rod Smart, Tommy Maddox. I hate you too. I just remember that guy getting obliterated on the opening play of the XFL season. The LA Galaxy, Tommy Maddox, yeah, obliterated. So that's that's going to actually lead me into like the first topic where they announced. First topic, the the XFL is actually going to allow people like guys straight out of high school to to play in the XFL there's going to be no no college necessary you hit 18 you're eligible to play a uh, good idea bad idea what are your guys' thoughts it's definitely an interesting idea you've got guys like Trevor Lawrence you know after the national championship this year who you know some people are saying maybe he's already ready to play professionally you know there's like the there's a like a league in the California area the Pacific something or other league, Pacific Sun League, something like that, that, uh, what's his name? Uh, wide receiver for the Broncos, long time ago, white guy. Stokely? Ed McCaffrey? Ed McCaffrey, yeah. Oh. He's uh, got some sort of administrative position with, I know, I, I, I couldn't think. <laughs> no, I think it's amazing you say white receiver, <laughs> and we're all immediately easy to throw the four names out of white successful <laughs> receivers in the NFL. Joe Jurevicius. <laughs> Wayne Trebek. But he has some sort of, you know, I, I believe he's got some relationship with that league where he was talking about even, you know, looking at guys like Trevor Lawrence saying, you know, instead of potentially hurting himself playing two more years of college ball where he can't earn anything, you know, offering contracts to, you know, young guys so they can make money instead of finishing school, finishing their college careers, it... it kind of leans itself into what they thought the AAF was going to do and even kind of be a feeder league into the NFL because you've got guys playing one year of college football, going to play the XFL for two or three years, and then the NFL saying, oh, by the way, we can pay you more. Come on. It's interesting. Not a good idea. A lot of boys aren't grown at 18, but... Do do you think there should be, or do you think there is going to be some type of physical exam or... 
something along those lines to say, hey, you know, you are able to come in or a team just going to be like, yeah, let's give it a shot and see what happens. I think you're going to have to have not only a lower end of the scale, you're going to have to have an upper end of the scale. You can't have an 18-year-old quarterback behind 18-year-old lineman with a 26-year-old linebacker coming up the middle that outweighs everybody by 60 pounds and is going to rip someone's head off. I don't think that's realistic. As far as the actual allowing 18-year-olds to play and get paid, I'm okay with that because you see a lot of people, the NCAA topic has been bounced around for the past couple of years. A lot of these kids go to college not to get a degree, but to play football and to raise their draft stock. So from that perspective, like Sam said, why not get paid to do it and lessen your risk? Well, here's the thing. I don't think that it's going to matter at all. And this is actually kind of an irrelevant talking point, only because if you think about the grand scheme of things, we're currently 0 for 2 in the last 20 years of secondary football leagues. Now, the XFL lasted one season. The AAF all lasted, I think, more than we all thought it was going to. Not even a, not not even even a full, full season. season. And I don't see this being any different because between the, the, the AAF was meant to be a feeder league. It wasn't going to rely on ratings and ticket sales. The XFL is absolutely going to rely on ratings and ticket sales. I think it would be a bad career move for people to assume that they have a jumpstart in the XFL. They're better off going to college. So here's my thought on it, because to kind of counter what you just said, Andy, your sure. AAF was never designed to be a feeder league for the NFL, at least from the NFL standpoint. They couldn't have cared less about the AAF. The AAF sort of assumed that the NFL would adopt them as almost like a developmental league for players that are kind of on the fringe or need more work or what have you. But at the end of the day, as a private entity, the AAF was destined to fail because you're going up against the most popular and most powerful sports league in the world. And I, I get it. They've kind of had a loose alliance with it. But the second there was financial trouble, they kind of went knocking on the NFL's door. And the NFL was like, yeah, we're not home. Go away. Now, the in terms of the, the topic at hand, I don't think it's very smart. And Nick, you kind of co contradicted yourself a little bit. You said that the XFL is going to be a better option for these kids to kind of develop. How is that possible when in the NCAA, you're going to have peers of your own age or within a couple of years, where in the XFL, as you alluded to, you could have an 18-year-old quarterback getting gunned down by a 35-year-old outside linebacker every day. I don't know if that's the kind of development I was speaking of, but I think as a development, as just a football player, I think if you just have some limitations based on who can play in this league and what they can do in this league. The NCAA is, let's not sugarcoat it, they're the most corrupt thing in sports. Agreed. Agreed. You have thousands of kids that are putting their futures, livelihood, health, everything on the line for just that slim chance of being one of, what, 600 that are picked every year for the NFL? 254? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, you have all those kids that are just going to put that out there. Well, the XFL is going to pay you. To get annihilated. They're still going to pay you. Is, yes. Isn't that what the XFL is designed for, though? It, the, the XFL, the, come on, it's, it's, it's not a feeder league at no, all. No, not at all. No. It's, it's they want nothing to do with the other league. The AAF was supposed to have been a feeder league. And you did. They did feed some people. They did. However, after they collapsed, the reason they collapsed is because the guy who invested all the money to the AAF never had any intention of letting this go as a feeder league. Like Bill Polian came out and said that 
This is going to be a three to five year project. If we do this and we show that we have sustainability and that we can produce a good product in NFL caliber players, then there is the potential of them partnering with the NFL. The guy who invested the money had no intention of letting it go past one year. It wasn't even the fact that they were you know, financially strapped because other people were willing to step in and invest it. This guy, all he wanted to do was make bank quick. He had no intention of going three to five years. He wanted to get the NFL and be like, hey, look, we've got a decent product right now. You know, do it. And the NFL didn't do it. And this guy had no other choice than to fold the league. And it's not fair to the guys who invested their time, who invested their energy and their efforts into doing this. However, you did get quite a bit, quite a bit of guys who who ended up getting signed because of the AAF. You also have quite a few guys that are hurt and are now not getting any sort of medical bills. Paid. Yeah, but the 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 football brains behind the AAF th- that doesn't fall on them. This falls on the D bag who threw some some money hoping to get richer quicker. And ended up screwing a lot of good guys because of it. I don't know that it's necessarily fair to call him out when his only intention was to make money. I mean, that's kind of everybody's intention for work. Not when, not when you have people who are injured who are now <laughs> stuck paying for their own medical bills when you promise them full insurance from the very, very beginning. But he wasn't even originally associated with it, was he? He like picked up two or three not. weeks in or something yeah. because they. They came asking for money. He came in after that second week, and then from there on, he kind of used the threat of folding the league as a way of leverage to get a deal with the NFL Players Union, who, of course, told them, you know, go pound sand. If they would have been able, if they would have been able to to make this last a a couple years with the football minds that that were behind this, I really think it could have been a feeder league slash minor league system for the NFL. My question is is how, and, you know, no offense to anybody involved, but how does, you know, this situation get planned where, you know, we're creating this football league and then two weeks into your season, you can't fund anything. Like, I, I don't understand. Did, was planning bad? Did people jump ship? Well, look in, look in the stands. There was there was nobody at the games. No, the, fir- the first week, they, they had a decent amount of people at the games. I think they had... More television viewers and more people in the stands than they That's initially it was expected. Football, period. They were going to. They viewers. were banking on the fact that people like football, but in reality, people like the NFL. It's it happened to the XFL their first try, and it it's going to happen again. Really good the first couple weeks, and then you saw it taper. The interest tapered off. Well, well, the XFL got hosed in the uh, when their production truck went down. If anybody watched the the thirty for thirty special, very well done. When their production truck went down and uh, they lost half of the coast at once. Yeah, viewer membership just dropped and dropped and dropped. I, I think much like the XFL's inaugural run, I think the AAF was just a perfect storm of, of all the things that could go wrong, did go wrong, you know, from a financial standpoint. It just, yeah, maybe if they would have had more of a three-year plan to kind of make it work, it could have. But this was never going to be anything more than uh, a way to watch football when the NFL's not in, season, in my mind. Now, had they actually partnered with the NFL from the get-go, from the jump, and said, like, hey, this would be a great way to develop some rookies or veterans or, or you know, kind of be that bridge between the NCAA and the NFL, that would have been a tremendous idea. Would it have garnered any type of revenue? Absolutely not. We're talking NFL Europe style of a league where it, it's, it's a minor league system. It's not for ratings and revenue. It's for development. 
the fact that the NFL hasn't had a developmental system since what the early 2000s when the NFL Europe kind of disbanded. Yeah, really. 2008. It shows you exactly. They don't care about that. You're you're supposed to kind of develop on the run. That's why you see so many rookies struggle early on. But then even later in the year, you know they, they've they've kind of found their niche a little bit more. Well, so I don't well, think the NFL particularly cares to partner with anybody other than a TV network that's going to get them billions of dollars. Well, let me let me ask you a question then. What was tremendously different between the AAF and the NFL? Nobody cares about the Garrett Gilbert, but, and but, Tom Brady. But but why? I mean, yeah, but because you can't do any. No matter, there's not a sport alive, mm-hmm. save for maybe European soccer leagues, that are going to come near the NFL's level of popularity worldwide. Just it. You could have an NFL and an NFL junior, and the NFL would still win nine, eleven times out of ten. It, it, you've got the, you, whether it's the shield, the the, the letters, it, it's everything. The NFL has the most galvanized reputation of any sports league, for better or for worse, and this was never going to be a viable option. I think that's true. I think the other part of it is that to be a fan of the AAF, you sort of have to be a fan of the game and not just your team. You know. Football fandom is fickle. A lot of people just root for their home team. That's it. They couldn't tell you who plays for where or anywhere else. A lot of them can't even name the guys on their own team. And that's a See, I, I thought, too, though, with a lot of these guys playing in the towns where they went to college at, um, that there would be a little bit more of a following. For um, the first couple of weeks, sure. The the way they, they had it set up was, you know, most of the guys, wherever you played college football or even if you were in the, the pros for a little while, they tried sticking you with a team that you might have already had a little bit of a fan base on. Um, I I don't know. I thought it had a lot of potential. I was kind of disappointed it closed. I watched every game, whether it was on the app, which was really cool. They had sensors in the ball yeah, and on, on the players and, and that kind of stuff. And I they, think you're going to see the NFL borrow a lot of that, just oh, like they did with the, with the first season of the XFL. The Skycam, that flying camera was the first thing XFL started that. The NFL didn't have it. What was the one thing we were talking about in the group text the other day? It was was it with the kickoffs? Oh, where there's like 50 guys on the field. Yeah, the no, it was oh, the, the two point conversion. Two point conversion. Or overtime yeah. or overtime? Yeah. Some one of those two. Overtime from the 20 yard line on each side or something like that. Yeah, and then it's a mad rush to see who can get across the goal line, that's, that's, which worked so was, well the first time. I, no, I think it the was kick. the way that it was was the overtime was going to be set up where both offenses and defense was, would be on opposite sides of the field defending a goal and trying to score, and it was the first to or the first or best of five conversions. It so like a train wreck. Yeah, that's that. That's something that the spring league. I mean, what happened if you, is developing? What happened if you intercepted it and ran it back into your own? You get one. The way that it, the way that it's set up is it was one point for a stop and two points for a score. I, so, I'm very intrigued. That 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 all leads to exactly why leagues like the XFL, the AF don't work. Like you have these goofy kind of cheeky little things, these changes that are cool in theory, and then maybe for the first couple times, but at the end of the day, the hardcore fan doesn't care about those kind of but things. But how else are they supposed to differentiate? Why do you want to differentiate? Why do you want football? I mean, like... No, apparently they don't, though. If they just wanted, the NFL, if right, they just wanted football, the AAF would have been successful. I like in the AAF to the Mahoney Valley Scrappers. Like, is it cool to go to every so often? Yeah, it's a way to get out of the house and something to do on a, on a weeknight, but I'm I'm never going to buy it. Scrappers are the triple A, single A? Single A. Single A, single a, single a short, short season. season of the Cleveland Indians. But it, it's it's not real sports. Like, it is, but it's not in the in the mindset to, to most loyal sports fans. It, it's, it's real it's players, players minor leagues. 
So let's just, you know, call a spade a spade. Is uh, a secondary football league sustainable? Absolutely not. No. Well, I, I mean, Never. to be honest, I don't believe the XFL is has any intention to be a secondary football league. But, not, but not by, by nature of it's gonna be, the definition of it, it it's, is. It's going to be kind of football. I don't think it's going to be a legitimate football. But See, all the way the actually, NFL plays reading it, it some can... of the, the things that Vince McMahon is kind of talking about, it's not going to be the shock value that the first attempt was. And that, yeah, that yeah, kind of blew up in his face. If you do overtime the way that we saw reports saying that overtime is going to be, that shock value. Having having your offenses and defenses both on the field at the same time, that's that shock value. And so a dozen players get hurt on one play. Well, and that's kind of like that whole, the, the, the first football scrum of the first XFL game where the guy, like, what? Or his ACL or Which something. Which pretty much was the nail in the coffin for them there. They but but if, scrap that idea. It, right. I mean, having Instantly. Jesse Ventura on commentary, too, for the first one, probably wasn't the best idea. Or King and JR. <laughs> it was cool, but well, I, don't, I don't want to listen to them call football. But Vince McMahon also has his... He doesn't need to get a TV contract. He has his own network. Is what this, if, what is if this he puts this XFL be... on the WWE? See, I think I, Vince is kind of distancing himself away from trying to get people to see it. Him as the WWE owner and as a legitimate it sports. No affiliation. Yeah, it's through it's Atlas Sports, which is his, his sports. sports marketing corporation. See, what what I think is interesting too, though, even we touched on it a little bit earlier, every time someone else comes in, the NFL ends up taking bits and pieces of, of that and using it as their own. Like you mentioned the Skycam. Um, so, we, had, we had talked in the, the first... Uh, our first show about the um, the extra or the the kickoff rules, the onside kick rules. How they they discussed having it at the um, you get a fourth and fifteen, and then you go from there. Like the AAF developed that, thought of that, and then there were people inside the NFL who who were pitching that up. So I think the NFL actually likes having these these leagues come in. Yeah, because they, they can, know they can't compete with them. Well, they can't, but they can be like, ooh, that's kind of a cool idea, and yeah. they so don't like, exist anymore, so ours now. So like Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla? Yeah, there you go. Do you, do you think that, meanwhile, there's a name drop, we're all anticipating a lockout? Oh, in, in 2021? It's, so it's do happening. you think that the XFL launching in 2020 is going to be? Zero effect. No, no benefit at all. It's no, not no going to make it to 2021. There's not going to be any matter. games canceled. There might be a lockout for four days or a week. I, I think I think the XFL will go more than a year, just because Vince, Vince McMahon, McMahon doesn't want it. He's going to sell all of his stock in the WWE he just said, to make sure that this goes at least. He did two say he years. was willing to sell five hundred million. That's a very good point. He may be desperate to not look yeah. the egg on his face twice. Absolutely. Uh, have you watched wrestling? He'll make his money back in in an hour with a wrestling pay per view. So, not the way that he wants it though. I mean, he should just turn and sell it to like Step and and Hunter. That way, he can buy it back off of when this fails dramatically. Oh my gosh, that's Ric Flair's music. I think the other thing too is you didn't you need the XFL kind of looks like it's putting teams in places where there isn't football, which is nice. Is it or is it going to hurt? St. Louis team is going to go crazy. No, they're not. And then they're no. going to move to L.A. They weren't yeah. crazy about the Rams when they were there. And then they're going to move back to St. Louis and then back to L.A. <laughs> and then they're going to make it to the Super Bowl and they're going to get their butts whooped. by a superior New England team. So we'll just take that for a second and run with it. Are they really in, in cities that are different? I mean, uh, there's San Antonio. Dallas, Houston, L.A., New York, Seattle, Tampa Bay. So our, I mean, they put them in big market. Big yeah, I mean, you know, it, but 
They should put a team in Jacksonville so there's a professional franchise there. Oh, you're not going to put a team in Santa Fe. You're not going to put a team in Wyoming because how about truth? Truth go. and consequences, New Mexico. All right, that'll do it. That's going to be the end of period number one. All right, start of period two. We're going to head into the NFL draft less than two weeks away. Uh, was it a week from Thursday? Yep. Week from Thursday. Uh, bold predictions, rumors. You guys hearing anything? What are your thoughts, Andy? Uh, so lately catching up with some of the top 30 visits and things that teams are doing as far as scouting goes. It looks like some of these teams are being extraordinarily bold with uh, – who they're saying publicly that they're into taking in the draft. So I I don't know if it's all lies. A lot of the mock draft community right now is calling this time period the lying season. So silly season. Take everything you hear for a grain of salt. But it seems like the Giants uh, aren't interested in a quarterback in the top 10. It seems like Tampa Bay seems to be really interested in a linebacker at five. Kyler Murray is still up in the air, whether or not that's a bluff from Arizona. Um. And I have a feeling that as much as the defensive players have gotten all the attention up until this point, I think this is going to be a little bit more of a draft that uh, is going to be is going to have a lot of variety. We're going to see a lot more offensive linemen and wide receivers go in the first round than I think people would have originally thought. D line heavy, very D line heavy. No running back. No running backs at all. Actually, you <laughs> yeah. that that that, that can be our first bold prediction yeah. is that there will not be a running back's name called on day one. Agreed. I don't buy it. You don't take one. You you don't you think somebody will take one? Who? Baltimore. Josh, Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Yeah, but which team though? Green Bay. No. No. Yeah. No. And Philadelphia. Then Green Bay needs too much help other places. Philadelphia's gonna do Johnson. There's a whole bunch of teams that can use running Buffalo, back. Or, Who just traded for Jordan Howard? Philly. The Philly, Philly. So they don't need one. The they, they, they gave up nothing for him. Yeah, they gave up nothing for him, but at the same time, all the running backs in this draft have Pretty pretty low grades. I mean, there is no Ezekiel Elliott. There's no um, Melvin Gordon. Pretty much everyone. There's in, no game changing back. Everybody's just yeah. There. Um, you're well, gonna Rashad Penny went in the first round last year. No, yeah, he that didn't was, turn he was out like very a third well, round though. projection, and yeah. he didn't play by like week. Well, he got six. hurt. But that's my point: is projections by analysts don't mean anything. It, it's actually a very good. Uh, it's actually a very good take to assume that there will be a running back because you know somebody's going to do it. You know, like we don't. A lot of people don't think there's going to be a fourth quarterback taken in this first round. They, they think it's going to be Haskins, Murray, and Jones, and that's it. But there's always a possibility somebody's going to own up to it and take Will Greer or something. I was reading it. Uh, they're Drew talking Lock. about four, uh, five going in the first round. Oh, that's too. I rich. don't know who. I don't know who five is. But I don't know who the fifth one would be either. Thorson, uh, Finley, Upper Greer. Thorson's sixth round at best. Wow. <laughs> Clayton, so, we're talking so about. You like I hope we're not listening. <laughs> we're, we're talking about Clayton Thorson from Northwestern, correct? Yes. Yeah, he's sixth round at best. That's a that's a bold statement. The, the, yeah, Andy's I, just throwing bold <laughs> statements out left and right. I love bold statements. What's your bold statement, John? I said it the other day. I think there's going to be a dozen defensive linemen taken in the first round. I think that that's this year. This is probably the the strongest crop of guys is the defensive line slash those edge guys that were either outside backers in college or were ends in college and will be outside backers in the NFL. But I think twelve pass rusher slash defensive linemen are going to be taken in the first round of the NFL draft. I just think that that's the that's how it's it's making making itself up to date. How many is from that Clemson? Really, is that really bold though? Considering wow. the how many from Clemson? 
Kind of like a foregone conclusion. Several. <laughs> Ranked so, three from Clemson. So we, we were we were talking a little bit about Russell Wilson. And Gone. He's, he's he's got until tomorrow to sign his big deal. And rumors are, are floating around that he won't be a Seahawk next year. Any chance of Russell Wilson not being a Seahawk at the beginning of this season? There's always a chance of it. I would love to see it happen. He's made he's he's made no bones about the fact that he's getting the crap kicked out of him in Seattle and he's not enjoying it. Um, his wife is in the entertainment business. She is a model. She's a singer. She's an actress. Obviously, she doesn't see the opportunity on the West Coast or she wouldn't be pushing him to leave. So I think that you're you're looking at Russell Wilson coming to New York. What do you do with Eli? Who cares? I was gonna say, take him behind the chair. I mean, yeah. I mean, how how many more years is Eli still in the contract? Negative one is is is, is, is a Russell Wilson play. is going. Yeah, to- I understand that, but from a financial standpoint, is it going to be feasible to bring on Eli Manning? Have Eli Manning and then bring on Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is going to be your next Aaron Rodgers type contract. Absolutely. Oh God, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I'm not saying he deserves it. I, I actually his, believe that he is going too. to get paid. He's going to make gonna be a, a lot of money. amount of money. He made a Seattle Seahawks team who was garbage relevant for no, many years. No, they won a no, Super Bowl. No, stop it right there. Two, you stop it two, right They could have won two cards. Super Bowls. Legion of Boom. Russell Wilson yeah. is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL right now, period. That's my bold statement. No. The, the Seahawks no. were crap with him. They'll be crap without him. No. If they didn't have Cam Chancellor... Richard Sherman. The last couple of years, they haven't had those guys who and were... And they've been garbage. Yes, but the only reason they've been competitive is almost... quarterback. How is that the only reason? They're terrible. I understand They're that. Terrible. He has made it so that they have chances to get into playoffs and has single-handedly kept them in games with his quarterback play. And he's shortening his career because of it. He's getting... The he runs and runs and runs and runs because he is running for his life. If you put him behind an offensive line and let him use his running ability as like a secondary option, he's going to tear defenses apart. I think if he's still I on the team, don't view him as anything more than marginal. I think if he's still on wow. Seattle, they have no choice. They have to draft a wide receiver. Have to. No, offensive right. line. Yeah, no, the they have to give him somebody sure. to get rid of the ball to. It doesn't matter if you've got the best receivers in the world if you don't have more than a He can get out of the pocket and... By himself, right. apparently his running ability is a detractor, but also a benefit to him. Right? I never said it was a detractor. He it is. He said a... he's running for his life, but he uses his running ability as he is running for his life. If he didn't it's have not that his game, yes, but it doesn't have to be. He can use it as a secondary option, which will make him more dangerous. If you know that if you can, you can get pressure on him because they have no offensive line, and he's forced to run, and you're playing for the run instead of him being a pocket passer, and then using that run to get defenses off guard, it makes him more dangerous. What you're going to see out of Seattle this year is going to be a running a run first team because Doug Baldwin's health status is up in the air. This is also a team yeah. that has only five draft picks coming into this draft, so they're going to trade back that. Four. Okay, so they're at four. I stand corrected. So that's even worse. So they're going to trade back once, if not twice. They could just wind up out of the first round altogether. I, I mean, is that such a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing at all. It's just uh, I would be cautious to be optimistic that uh, they're going to provide Russell Wilson with any quote-unquote help right away. What do you think of Arizona potentially – moving in to try to get Russell Wilson and moving Josh Rosen over to Seattle. I, I, I don't see a divisional opponents making that kind of deal. Plus, I'm, I'm, it's pretty obvious that Arizona is all in with Kyler Murray. I don't think they care about anybody not no. named Kyler Murray at this I, moment. I, I don't know. I bet they still have 
I bet they could still move move out of that pick. I know Kyler Murray's been visiting a lot of places lately. He was just in he was just in New York. He was just in New York, yep. So I mean, I wouldn't if the right off the right offer. Yeah, but if the right offer comes by, why not? Because you've hitched your wagon to Cliff Kingsbury, who comes with Kyler Murray. If you don't draft Kyler Murray, you might as well fire Kingsbury right now. Do you think Russell Wilson fits that Kyler Murray type mold that Kingsbury would be willing to work with? Yeah, I think he probably would be. I think his skill set could fit that offense. But I don't, like you mentioned, I, I can't see a scenario where, number one, Seattle's going to have the assets to get up to the number one pick. Or I just don't, divisions don't trade within each other anymore. That's a good like, point. Why would you help your opponent? I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think of that. That's a really good point. Though, uh, what was it? A couple of years ago, Pittsburgh and Cleveland made their first trade in years and years. Hayden. For who? No, Shamarco Thomas. Hayden was not involved in the trade. He was, he was he like a six-round safety. There's a name drop for you. <laughs> well, when it comes to the when it comes to trading, we had that uh, segment last week where we talked about trading all three first picks for Kyler Murray. That uh, I still think it's doable. Uh, did you listen to how dumb you sounded? I sounded like a scholar. <laughs> You, if, if I'm, my memory serves me correctly, you said, would you do it? And I said, yes. My rational being, you need to make a splash. And you all assume he's going to be terrible. I don't assume he's going to be terrible. Well, that was your basis of your argument. I just feel that you can do better with having more picks. And I don't think you can do a flashier Cleveland would disagree with that statement. And where has that gotten them? Where have where has Cleveland's flashy picks? Oh, you didn't hear? Gotten they, they won the Super Bowl. No, they, no you, right? said, you said <laughs> yeah, no, no flashy, picks. flashy, flashy. Yeah, but they've done stupid flashy picks to sell jerseys. Yeah, I think a lot of it they actually believe. Really, you felt Johnny Manziel was going to be a, that, that was an, all Jimmy. That was all the owner. Yeah, because he wanted to sell jerseys and make money. In the long run, it would have been better to stay back and use your picks and draft. The best player available to fit the needs of your team. But at the same time, I mean, that could have been Derek. I don't think it was purely to sell jerseys. They probably believed in his ability at some point. He was just a head case that didn't want to play football. See, see, to me, college quarterbacks like that, they never transition well in the NFL. But I mean, Johnny Manziel came into the AAF and wrecked the league. Oh, yeah. He wrecked it so much at close. He he did. He He literally wrecked the league. I mean, you think back of mobile quarterbacks who have won the Heisman Trophy. Where's it really gotten them? I think I more, more broken like, legs. Who? Top, top. No, 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 no. I'm saying I don't think uh, comparing the Heisman Trophy to success means anything. Okay, and any mobile quarterback other than Michael Vick. Well, let's Russell just Wilson won a Super Bowl. You can, no, no, no. There's a Russell Wilson between, wasn't a mobile quarterback. There's a difference in between a mobile quarterback and a quarterback who can run. Aaron Rodgers still has some wheels. Steve Young was amazing when he was running. It, Michael Vick, for all of his but, but accolades, those, did nothing. Cam Newton, again, was hate, not the reason that team won Cam the Super Bowl. Newton. I hate they Cam Newton. They didn't win. I'm sorry, got to the Super Bowl. That was a defensive team. Talk about most overrated guys in the NFL. I mean, Cam Lamar Newton. Jackson will be out of the league in three seasons. That's you know, what happens. RG3, RG3 was terrible. Yes. Granted, so he had a pretty awful injury his rookie season. That's my point. Because like, he's a running quarterback. Running? Russell Wilson. Guys who are majorly... Ma- major- majorly? Majorly? Well, I don't know what majority? Yes. Running quarterbacks in college do not translate to the NFL. Correct. It's they a just different don't. game altogether. Kyler Murray, case in point. Because everyone... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you that he's probably not going to be the next Brett Favre. Then why would you waste three first round picks on Because the question... <laughs> <laughs> if you were the GM, would you do it? 
Absolutely I, I, not. I, from a think of it in the big picture, though, the the Raiders are moving to a new city. They have to convince this fan base in Vegas, which, by the way, there's non-existent fans in Vegas. I don't. You're, you're never going to have a sustainable franchise out there. <sighs> you have to sell tickets. You have to generate buzz. You have to create hype. Didn't the you just best sign? Way to do that is to make a major splash. Didn't you just sign Antonio Brown? That's part of it. Yeah, that's a major splash. And absolutely, that's more of a major splash no, no, than no, Kyler Murray. No, yes. No. Also, Antonio Brown, what a what, what is he doing? Being He's making Brown. other general managers come out and call him bad names. Well, the funny thing is, he got everything he wanted. So when it comes, so when it comes to the draft, as far as trading up and making a splash and making sure that your fans are paying attention and whatnot, um, the the antithesis to that would be what Miami's going to do this year is they're actually probably <laughs> going to trade back multiple times and completely tank this season. Uh, so I don't see. Do you think that they would? Do you think that fan base, if they do that, which I think they will, they'll trade out of thirteen because none of the quarterbacks they're going to be interested in. They want to tank next year for Tua. Do you think them trading out, not getting any big bomb for from or that take Trevor Lawrence, just tank for two years, just draft, pretty much they're going to draft. Going to be in the XFL. Needs like offensive lineman and defensive tackle, nothing flashy. Is that going to make them Miami Dolphins fans less interested in this season and beyond? Yes. There's a lot. So that, so there's a lot so, to do in Miami. It's so not, new, it's not a new games. market though for the NFL. So tanking, so tanking now to build for the future is a mistake. <sighs> not necessarily. So I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Miami. Here's the thing with Miami. There's so much to do down there. Granted, the, the 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 Dolphins have a much better fan base than say your Jacksonville's and your Rams and so forth. But Miami's got so much outside of football to keep these people happy. So is it the most hardcore football city? Probably not. Um, their quarterback room outside of Ryan Fitzpatrick is abysmal. So good luck with doing anything this year, assuming he stays healthy, which is, you know, kind of a, a huge He's going to play mark. like three really good games and then. Sure. Absolutely. The <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. You know, they're going to, like Andy said, they're going to, they're going to draft the unsexy stuff, the, the guards and the D tackles and the, the run stuffing guys that ultimately help you win games, just not in a flashy manner. <laughs> So you threw that in because I side eyed you, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Not in a flashy manner. I think it's a. I honestly think that them tanking this year is a brilliant strategy because I think they're doing it because Tom Brady is gone, going to die soon. He's going to be done, and that division is going to be wide open. Nope, it's going to be Jets. And I think that that's the boldest statement of Jets. Jets Patriots, not with Darnold. Oh yeah, no, no way, no, he is not. They will be. They will reign the NF, the AFC East for the next five to ten years once Brady's done. God, I, hope I not. think. After the, I think after the Patriots run is over, i.e., Belichick and Brady are gone. I think the division winner out of that every year is going to be eight and eight, nine and seven. What's well, never going to be Buffalo? Oh, it will be because Buffalo. they're terrible. Buffalo's, always Buffalo's be defense will keep them afloat. I love what the Jets are doing. I think they're they're. You know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was excited about Cleveland as a homer, but I really like what the Jets are doing from a core building standpoint. I think offensively they still have some things to do, but you bring in a guy like Le'Veon Bell, you bring in a guy like Sam Darnold through the draft, you've got a lot of quality pieces around him. That defense still is pretty good, especially on the back end. I mean, they keep signing defensive end after defensive end after defensive end. I I tell you right, watch out for the Jets. I think they're going to be better than advertised starting this year. Who's Darnold throwing to? Quincy Anunwa and Robbie Anderson. Who? 
Yeah, my point exactly. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. Quincy Nunwa missed a good portion of last. Well, he missed, he missed the season. whole season last year. I think Aaron Darnold year. is extremely, Sam, or Sam, Sam Darnold. Sam excuse Darnold. me. I think Sam Darnold's really overrated. I I don't I, think he's going to transition for that team. It all depends on what he what he gets out of Adam Gase because he is the new head coach and he'll take over that's the, the offense. That's the wild. That's the wild card. And yeah. crazy. It was not so great in Miami for what he did, and. Um, Actually, this is this is a question I wanted to post to you since uh, you're very high on the Jets right now. They have the number three pick. If they trade back, which is a big rumor that they could possibly trade out of that spot and say goodbye to a potential uh, top 10 decade long starter defensive lineman like Josh Allen or Quentin Williams, will you think less of them if they do that? No, because didn't they would they trade last year with three seconds to move up to get uh, Sam Darnold? Darnold. Yeah. So I mean, they're it's not like they've got a ton of assets right now from draft capital standpoint. Sure, it might not be a bad idea to be honest with you, because as I alluded to earlier, we're, we're a pretty deep draft this year. So you might miss out on a guy like a Josh Allen, but you might be able to get a Montez Sweat, you know, a couple picks later, uh, or, or or you know maybe a linebacker. That, you know, they're not devoid of needs. They certainly have some things, but it might be in their best interest to still get a quality player in maybe the top 10 of the draft, get an extra second or maybe a third to, to get another offensive lineman or another wide receiver, or it's a very deep tight end draft. You know, a, a tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. So I think that if you can surround Sam with some more weapons, it's it's only going to help his, uh, his, his development. They say that the biggest jump a quarterback makes is between his first and second year. So I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do, what Baker's going to be able to do, a guy like Josh Allen, the quarterback's going to be able to do. There's a rumor out there that the Jets and Browns are going to open the season on Monday night. That's kind of an homage to the first ever Monday night game back in 71, I believe it was. So, I mean, those right there, those are those two guys, along with a handful of others, are the future of your league. Now, Lamar Jackson's not a future of the league. Yes, he's he terrible. There we go. But, you know, eventually the torch needs to get passed from the Breezes, the Rodgers, the Bradys. And I think it's really cool that we're in a spot where a Sam Darnold, a Baker Mayfield, a Josh Allen, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, a Pat Mahomes, like these guys are legit. So I'm excited about that. But, you know, to to finalize this whole part, I I don't think that the Jets need to stay at three to get an absolute dynamite player. They can move back and still get somebody that's really good. So like a hand grenade player? Sure. I mean, there's a there's a ton of defensive talent in this draft. I think this draft there's a ton of a lot of talent. And this draft sees the first round. This draft sees a lot of the the, <clears throat> the league has been dominated by offense. I think this specific draft, draft here is going to make a little bit of a dent and set up for no, I, I, I think it's funny though that the two positions that teams really really look for in quarterback and running back are the weakest spots in this year's draft and the. I think the players you need to have a solid foundation are the ones that are available. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a a very big drop off in talent in the quarterback range. You get the tier one guys, Haskins, Jones, and Murray, and then you start looking at project quarterbacks. Yeah. Running backs are a different story. You're probably not going to see any till day two. Safeties no, aren't as deep this year either. We, the safety class is pretty bad this year. We we agree to disagree. Are, are we gonna are we gonna have a have a bet on this? We, you will I like bets. You, we'll get to that in a second. You kind of alluded to this um, when you just mentioned it. Like this is a good draft for building block pieces for teams that necessarily don't need the, the major players. And I think one of the not so bold <laughs> predictions is Cleveland's not going to move. I really don't think that they're going to make any move up or down whatsoever because you know you're set at receiver for the most part. You're set at running back. You're set at quarterback. You could get another back in because of the whole situation with Kareem Hunt and the possibility of maybe being gone. 
Um, but you know, you you need you need some building blocks on on the lines, which is where they're gonna show the depth that they have in this draft. They're they're probably gonna stay in pat. I think guys like Jeremy Simmons are, are gonna go probably later than they should because he's he's injured. So it's gonna be a, a quality depth draft for for the kind of the big uglies this year. I like I like that. I, I was an offensive oh, yeah. lineman. I, I love offensive and defensive interior alignment. Fighting in the trenches. Oh, it's so much fun. You can say all you want about Goff and Mahomes, but those teams have done a really good job of fortifying both sides of the yeah, ball. Yeah, Kansas City's done a really bad job this offseason, though. Well, their defense is non-existent. I think they're only going to start about six guys. <laughs> it's looking Not in the way. second And did, didn't Tyreek Kill get in some <laughs> domestic abuse or child abuse trouble that or something led, like that? Well, off completely. No, they're still talking about it. They just, they're kind of not talking about it. It's under the radar. Yeah. Talking about the Chiefs aren't, the Chiefs are trying to not say anything. Bury the lead. The same thing they did with Kareem Hunt. Look how that worked out for them. Do they? No. no. So, you know, I saw Dallas only has what, five picks the whole draft? Chicago doesn't draft until the number 88 overall. Yeah. Oh, yep. gosh. And they could probably use a little bit of help as well. That yeah. fits their system. Yeah. yeah. The Saints, the Cowboys, and the Bears have to sit and wait a while. Good. All right. Period three. Here we go. Start a period three. We're gonna move away from like and put like a, like a whole topic. <laughs> Structured sports. Um, we're going to go around uh, and and quickly. Although last time we said quickly, it ended up being much longer than we intended. So before you go, the whole premise of this is because we're acknowledging the fact that Tiger Woods won the, the Masters today. Arguably the best golfer that any of us have seen. Um, you know, assuming people watch golf, but. Uh, that's kind of what sparked this, so I just want to give a little backstory, but take it away. Right. Yeah, so we're going to go around, and each person is going to talk about the best athlete that they have ever seen in whichever particular sport they choose. Um, so it could be you know any five major sports. If you watch soccer, I guess soccer could be one. Is there four major sports? Four and a half. Four, four and a half. What's the half? Soccer. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I we're feel like I feel like seventy percent. No, there's the definitely four. <laughs> yeah, soccer's probably the biggest. I don't watch much soccer, so I, I biggest don't sport watch the in the world. world. Yeah, but it's All not. It's it's not for it's not for me. Um, so we're gonna go around um, see who who you thinks the uh, the the athlete that you enjoyed watching the most. Um, who wants to kick us off? I will go. All right, Jonathan Moffat. Take it away, John. <laughs> so uh, mine's kind of. I, I feel like he was one of the best of his time, but he's also one of my favorites, both in terms of a player and as a person. Phil Dawson. Uh, no, he is wonderful, though. <laughs> and as weird as it sounds, I feel like this guy doesn't get a lot of the credit he deserves because... I'm going to I'm gonna cut in real quick. So should you describe him and not say his score? Oh, that's score, a great idea. And then yes. us yes. try to guess who it is. So yeah, okay. just kind of describe the person you're talking about a little bit. No, and not the sport. And, just, and don't mention the sport. Just mention like characteristics okay. and uh, uh, attributes and stuff like that. And then sure. we're going to try to guess who you're talking about. Okay. And Sam Marhulik is not one of them. He's, he's not the person we're guessing. Correct. He's not yeah, he's not the best athlete we've well, ever seen. I'm not even. Never seen him play All right, go ahead. Here we go. Okay, I like. So I like where this went. This yeah. guy, um, very unheralded in my opinion, just because he kept his mouth shut. Um, he was not very glitzy. He didn't really uh, ever command the spotlight like a lot of his peers do. Um, went about his job, excelled at it, was record breaking. At, at what he did. Um, 
He never really got a lot of postseason success because of some of the people that were around him. Um, mm. Really good guy. Um, he, I, I feel like off the field, um, he'd be a cool guy to hang out with just because, again, his demeanor is very everyman. Um, he didn't really command a lot of the, like, look at me. In fact, he, he sort of shied away from the spotlight. Uh, but really good guy. You know, I kind of got into watching this sport later on, so I didn't get to see a lot of peers that may be considered better than him. But uh, for my money, he's he's the best at what he did from what I got to see. I'm so intrigued right now. Very, very interesting. Well, he said field, so in context, that eliminates a couple things. So it wouldn't be basketball or hockey, and John no. doesn't know hockey. Bubba Wallace. <laughs> That that is a negative. So, <laughs> I, I have an idea. I have a structured settlement, and I need cash now. Who is Peyton Manning? Negative. I'm. Who is Ladanian Tomlinson? You are a hundred percent correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way to go. I think that, and I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, he was always on those Chargers teams that were good, not great. Um, they, you know, he was always sort of tied to Philip Rivers, for good or for bad. Um, they didn't really have a lot of. <clears throat> offensive pieces around those two. Um, I, it really, and this is going to sound really cliche, but it broke my heart when he went to the Jets because he seemed like one of those guys that should have played for one team his entire career. Uh, really just gave his heart and soul to the city of San Diego back when the Chargers were there. Um, you know, for my money, like I said, probably the best back I got to see because I didn't really see the Barry Sanders or the Emmett Smiths because I didn't really watch the NFL in the, in the early to mid to late 90s. I kind of got a late jump with it, but I remember the season when he broke the the rushing touchdown record, which, correct me if I'm wrong, was the season right after Sean Alexander did, or was it reverse? Sean Alexander broke his record. Sean Alexander was 2005. I think LT was 2007. Okay, yeah, yeah so that's correct. He, a couple he, years. he broke the record shortly after uh, Alexander had broken it. But, you know, great guy. Um, you know, I, I remember the the time that he got really frustrated with the Patriots when they had lo- the Patriots had beaten them on San Diego's home field. And that's really the only time you ever heard him talk at all about, you know, the respect card and, and kind of he deserved more than he got. Um, and then I remember that when he got hurt in the one playoff game and he kind of had to sit on the sidelines, a lot of people kind of pile on him for no reason. Um, you know, the football players, I guess, kind of have that, that, that anonymity um, factor built in. So it was, it was 2006. Thank you. Yeah, um, Alexander was 2005. Tomlinson yeah, I thought it, was, I was, thought it was the season. Yeah, right Tomlinson after. broke it the following year in 2006. So the NFL players have kind of that gift of anonymity behind the helmet. Uh, and I think he relished in that because I'll, I'll never forget him sitting on the bench with the big, you know, parka on him with his, he always wore the dark visor so you could never see his face. So that was, uh, that was kind of hard to watch. But I mean, great dude. Just seems like a really class act kind of guy. Uh, he's involved with NFL Network now and he does a lot from the media. So I don't, I don't think dude. he's as good at the NFL Network as he was on the field. Oh, I, 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 that, that, notwithstanding. That whole show um, great, with, great player. with Sharp and, uh, LT and Dion is just, it's hard to watch sometimes. Agreed. All right. So yeah, he uh, he's he goes down as probably my favorite NFL <laughs> player not playing for my team. Awesome, awesome. I like this segment. This Who wants to go next? Very good. Any takers? If not, I will. Okay. Okay. All right, Andy. All right. So Neymar Garcia Para. I love the name drop. No, I actually did not. Approve <laughs> his name of, is Ramon. So I, I did not approve of him being a shortstop. Anyway, what was his dad's name? Um, the more you know. 
So I had to really think hard about this because I have a lot of players that I really like and to signal out one of them was actually kind of difficult, but I think the choice that I made is, is good for me. So, um, without giving it away. So the, the, the clues that I can give you are that this guy was super dominant at what he did, a lot of success, postseason success. Um, he had, <laughs> he was intimidating. Uh, probably not a guy that you're going to want to go have a beer with. Um, not a bad person, <clears throat> but maybe wouldn't be super fun to hang out with. Um, he had one stint in playing for a team in New York that didn't go very well because he couldn't handle New York media. And uh, he is, uh, <clears throat> he is, he's had some, uh, also some, uh, what do you call it? Like um, individual accolades tied to him um, that uh, are very rare. And, um, yeah, that's about all I can really give you. He's got, he's got one famous clip on the internet. I know who it is. Um, one super famous clip on the internet. And <laughs> you guys, if you guys want to guess. Is Alan Iverson? No. No. Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson is correct. <laughs> the pitcher? Yes, the pitcher. Um, I would totally have a beer with Randy Johnson. <laughs> I don't think he'd absolutely. have a beer with you. <laughs> the big well, unit. He absolutely would. But we're both left-handed, so that might be my end. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, wow, like, what person do have I seen in my lifetime that I can bestow like such an honor on? And I almost picked Mariano Rivera. He plays with the Yankees, and I, and I hate the Yankees. So Yankees overrated. Like, my baseball glove that's in my truck has <laughs> Randy Johnson's signature on it. So, I just want to throw this out there, not to cut you off. Sure. Randy Johnson is one of the reasons why the Arizona Diamondbacks are my favorite baseball team. As, as, as That's a great reason to... Because that was uh, sort was of... one the, of those three guys that just... Yeah, because I didn't really pick up on him until after he left the Mariners. And uh, I was a pitcher in high school, and I always tried to emulate <laughs> things that they would do in the majors. Not so much their wind-ups or anything like that, but just how they would handle and control the game. And I always found... And kill birds. Any time that he was on the mound, fascinating. If you were pitching in high school and throwing like Randy Johnson, you would be pitching today. Possibly top five best sports mullets ever also. Oh, no, without, <laughs> without question. Also, have you ever seen Randy, Jackson, or Randy Johnson and Alan Jackson in the same room? Because I think they are doppelgangers of each other. I couldn't tell you. Alan Jackson, that's, like that's the a very, country singer. Alan very Jackson, plausible yes. con, uh, conspiracy theory. Johnson may have the height factor, but... Oh, that's true. That's a distinguishable feature. He was like, right now. what, six foot eight? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was big. a towering giant. Yeah, I, I remember he was in Rookie of the Year, was he not? No. Or some, he was in little, some sports. Little movie. Big League. That's what it was, yeah. yes. And I remember him coming out of the, uh, you know, the, the, the like ominous music when he came out of the dugout. And honestly, that should have played every time he came out of the, of the dugout because the dude was just a monster. I mean, he was like six foot yeah. eight. He was huge. He was awesome. He threw, he killed an animal with a pitch. <laughs> Which was incredible. Carly on accident. It was like 20 years ago. Who was and then didn't ago? flinch who at all. The, uh, <laughs> who was the, the commentator that worked for the uh, uh, ESPN baseball for the longest time? Was a former player, big guy. Had a mullet when he played. Larry Johnson? Uh, no. John Cruck. Yes, John Cruck. The, the exchange that those two had. When he threw the ball behind John Cruck, oh, yeah. and John Cruck turned his helmet around and went to the other side of the oh, batter's box. The All Star. I mean, you yeah. very seldom saw Randy Johnson crack a <laughs> smile, but he couldn't help but to laugh. And I think that's great to be able to tap into somebody who's you, you don't perceive to have humanity, who's just a robot out there. Yeah, I, I probably couldn't tell you one fact about him from a personality or like out off the field kind of a thing, but the dude just dealt fire. 
It was amazing. It was one of the best sliders, if not the best slider in baseball. I agree. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. Who's next? I'll go. All right, Sam. Said to you. So the guy that I'm talking about is probably regarded as one of the best ever. Chris Jericho. That would be a great one, but no. Different, different, different sport. He, uh, we're acknowledging it as a sport, though. Of course it is. You still put your body on the line. Anyway, we're getting on the Moving on. Don't try this at home. Um, there was another guy, you know, around the same time that a lot of people really would say is the best ever. But for my money, this is a guy that never, ever talked about people. He would go in, do his job. He'd do his press conferences, say, you know, good job to the other guy. Um, I don't know how to really talk about him without giving it away. I think I know who you're talking about. Go ahead. Are you talking about Peyton Manning? No. Oh. I thought no. the best ever guy you were talking about was Tom Brady. No. Okay. So I'm not yeah. allowed to guess. Yeah, Nick, Nick, I took out, I took out of the equation because. I'm oh, I know. I know who it is, then. Huh? A junior. No. Oh, I. So it's not Ken Griffey. It is not Ken Griffey. Oh, all right. Um, I mean, I'll even give you guys a hint because it might be a little bit hard to guess. It's it's a it's a sport where you are you know one on one. Um, but Roger Federer. <laughs> it's definitely MMA. Oh, uh, Anderson Silva? No. Well, he hates Silva. The other <laughs> no. He, I mean, he... George St. Pierre. Yes, he okay. spent yeah. he spent like 10 years as the champion of one division, and then he left for four years and came back. And regardless of how you feel about Michael Bisping, this is a guy that was a career light heavyweight, moved down to middleweight, you know, won a belt when he was 40. And St. Pierre came in at a weight... Four years after being the welterweight champion for again almost a decade, and picked the dude up, slammed him around, and jumped on his back and choked him out. And I mean, you know, Saint Pierre was always a big welterweight, but he wasn't a big middleweight. He was pretty average size, and he just you know rolled around with the dude twice his size. Now twice his size is probably a little embarrassment, but yeah, just the way this guy you know controlled people. You know, he was he was never a wrestler growing up. He was recruited by the Canadian national team to wrestle for them Olympically. And again, this is a guy that never wrestled amateurly. That's you never, you never saw him get angry. You never saw him get heated with anybody. He was very level-headed. He always was very professional, like you said, always talking good about his opponents. There wasn't as much... He didn't need to trash talk to sell a fight. You just knew the GSP was going to be in that fight, and you knew that it was going to have 10 million buys. And it didn't matter because it was George St. Pierre. And I mean, for my money, you know, every time he fought, everybody was like, this is the guy that's going to, you know, dethrone St. Pierre. And every single time, maybe minus a Johnny Hendricks fight in, you know, Matt at Sarah. the end. <laughs> oh, God. Matt you know, Sarah. This, we're talking about post that fight. Oh. That that run from like 2008 to 2013, 14 before he retired. We never, we never got our GSP Anderson Silva fight that everyone clamored for. for it'll be like... There'll be six. It'll be like, like that uh, time uh, Chuck Liddell came back and fought Tito. Oh gosh, it'll be like a Mayweather fight. We'll get it ten years after we should have. But I mean, for my money, yeah, greatest mixed martial artist that's walked the planet. That's an excellent choice. For what little I knew or watched with MMA when I was introduced to it, he was actually one person that I was like, oh, if I had to pick a favorite fighter, it would probably be this guy because he sold me on his skills and not the not the persona. Dude just looked like he was cut from glass. I mean, just his re- wrestling ability and. Was incredible. 
feel like you just cut from glass and shatter pretty easily. That's a good point. Cut from stone. Yeah, that's the one. Chiseled from stone. <laughs> French-Canadian <laughs> you know, river rock. could be George St. Pierre, for my money, Rain Jackson. Sorry, Rain Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Rain Jackson, too, but well, judge I, I for American Idol. Is, is, is he allowed to throw a slider at him? I'd say yes. Does okay. he have, yeah, yeah, open does. the bell rings and he fires more the glove across the mat. Oh, boy. All right, Nick. Thank you, Sam. Nick? Uh, mine is probably fairly obvious. Uh, when I was growing up, it was all baseball. King Kirby Jr. All the time. <laughs> we used to fight over this guy's number. 24. Thankfully, I was the coach's <laughs> kid, so, you know, I got it all the time. Shout out to Ted. Um, was the number 69? No. It is Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, he's he, quite simply, he's the best baseball player I've ever seen play the game. You're talking about a guy that, without injury, like, with all the injuries he has, is seventh all-time in home runs. He has over 600 home runs with all the injuries that he had throughout his career. If you take away his his injuries, he is without a doubt the the league all-time leader in hits, home runs, on base, everything. The best swing in baseball. <laughs> and, and he was clean. And I was and just going to say, all the time, he's like, never been linked to anything. Never been linked to anything. Never had any sort of off-the-field issues. I mean, his off-the-field issue was, oh, hey, I don't want to play in Seattle anymore because I want to be closer to my family in Cincinnati. And he got to play with his Oh, dad. you rat yeah. bastard. Like, <laughs> let's send you. How dare you? How dare you want to be with your family and go back to the Reds? That's selfish. I mean, I, I, every kid growing up, the, the swing. I, he got to play had, with his dad. I think I still have a starting lineup figure of him somewhere in storage in my house. I'm sure my brother does. My brother have, probably has one. Mine's not in a pack. I made sure. You know, it's funny. When I when I played baseball, too, I, I, I bought the junior shoes. I mean, the cleats that I wore were I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. Go cleats. Go back and think about, like, what. The the very first baseball game you ever owned, Super Nintendo, N64, or Sega Genesis, who was on the cover of it? Griffey. Jim Edmonds. He had his own game. It was uh, Ken Turner. Griffey Jr.'s winning run, and I think in that game, he was the only actual player that they there had were, licensed There were two for. of them for the Super Nintendo. Like yeah. that. I mean, you're talking about a guy that he... he the first big sports, sports sponsorship that I remember is Griffey with Nike. I mean, in all honesty. I wasn't big into basketball. Yeah. I don't remember Jordans being a big deal. I never bought Jordans. I never had Jordans. But I remember seeing, you know, pictures of Griffey with Nike stuff on and wanting those specific batting gloves, those specific hitting mm. or ba- baseball bats, those specific gloves. How, how iconic was the back backwards hat, too? The backwards hat. I mean, just the drop, the the swing, and then just standing there and watching yeah. the ball so, sail. Purest, yeah. One of the purest swings I've ever seen in baseball. And not only, not only was he dominant, on the plate, but he, he got one like 10 golden gloves. Yeah. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal fielder, a great all around baseball player. Quick, quick little tidbit of information. I, I know a bunch of useless, useless facts. Uh, we went on a tour of Camden Yards last year. Only player. And um, only player. I mean, it wasn't during a game nonetheless, but he's the only player to hit it off the warehouse in the air in Baltimore. No kidding. Yeah. That's so awesome. in, be, in between the warehouse and the back part of the stadium, they have um, plaques on the ground where every single baseball hit that has been hit out of the park. I've heard of that. And it's got the distance, the the player and the, the team he played for. And the only one up on the building is Ken Griffey. I think it was a 94. It was during the Homer Derby. Derby. Yeah. Like How far Still, up? Still, that's building. quite a uh, It was like, probably seven or eight feet up up the building. I mean, it wasn't a, a 
But what you don't see when you watch a game right. is the amount of distance in between mm-hmm. where the stands end and where the building where the big, big building starts. It looks closer on TV than it, it does. It, it's a decent decent amount away. Boy, that's a great ballpark. Oh, it's it's so it's so awesome. I, I would love to go. But I'll it's, tell you what, even, it was really really cool. Even like when we played indoor soccer, like I'm gonna be 24. Fight me for it. I also had I 24 my entire baseball career, but that was because I was a fan of Manny Ramirez. <clears throat> it's just a coincidence. All right, cool. Thanks, Nick. No Mine's going to be super easy. Sidney Crosby. No, no Mario O'Neill. No, I, I'm going. I'm going. So I didn't get to see Mario play. Uh, no, he, he had Jerome Bettis. Oh, Jerome Bettis. I mean, he was my favorite player, but. I don't think he was the best Hall at his Famer? position. He is a Hall of Famer. Troy Palmer? Hall of Famer? No, he is a Hall of Famer. Troy Palmer. He deserves to be a Hall of Famer. I guess so. Well, yes. let's, let's let him. Let's let him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. most dominant player ever. Michael Jordan. Yeah, I don't need to say anything else. So, it's you fair. could take the LeBron James <laughs> comparisons. They're two completely different people. Two uh, different eras. Two completely different eras. Michael Jordan can beat anybody on one-on-one. I and agree. I feel that if he would lace him up, he'd still give a lot of guys a run for his uh, money. Yeah, and he's, what, 52? I'm totally in the Michael Jordan camp. Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, defensive player of the year, how many times? I think he's the only player ever to win defensive player of the year and a scoring title. Look it up. I mean, I'm, I'm almost positive that that's a legit fact. I think I read it somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Sam, where are you with the laptop, man? Come on, look I that mean, up. Who, who, Sorry, amongst, who, who amongst us in the 90s when they were in the middle of their – Six championship run wasn't a Bulls fan. I mean, I had, I'm Bulls not gonna fans. lie, I had a Bulls jacket. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I could name two players. I would practice team. shooting a fadeaway. I turn around fadeaway just because I wanted to. Be, I want to be like Mike. Exactly. exactly. I mean, look at the Jumpman logo. Yeah, it's it's iconic. Yeah, it, it's its own logo. I mean, like, okay, so the guy hasn't played since twenty when he years. Retire officially, no, fifteen years, something like that. When he came back for the Wizards, it was, yeah. So it was probably what two thousand. We were 2004. I don't want to say 2005. Yeah. Like so yeah. anyway, in that era, I mean, yeah. right, he's, here, right. he's still That's the most re- relevant player. Hands down. It was 1988. He was Defensive Player of the Year in 1988. He was a scoring champion from 87 to 93. Yeah. So that's so the unreal. year of eighty-eight. He was the scoring. Uh, I don't. I. I don't think. I don't believe anybody else has ever has ever done that. Well, that's. I it mean, just shows you how much of an all-around basketball player. Right. He is. Because you look at it, you you kind of fall into one of those categories. You're either a defensive guy who can generate a little bit of offense, or you're a shooter and a scorer, and you kind of and just watch him go. His. <laughs> His, he wasn't a baseball player. His killer mentality. General manager. And like that's what drives me nuts about today's basketball. There is not a single Kobe Bryant was the last person to have a killer's mentality in the NBA. It doesn't exist anymore. Everybody's friends. Everybody goes out to drink. That's Everyone true. AAU has made it so that all these guys have started playing with each other since they were like six or seven years old in AAU, and they're all buddies. You didn't have that in the NBA back then. And no. Michael Jordan relished. When you drove to the hole, you were going to get knocked down. They were going to foul you, and they were going to foul you hard. And he still put up points year after year after year. The defense that he played, I just – there's something about Mike, man. I just, I can't get over it. I go back now and, and I love space. Jam. Oh, I love space. Jam. <laughs> I go back now and I watch highlights and I watch old games and ESPN classic. I still have, if a, an old bulls game is on, I, I have to watch it. The flu game. Un- unbelievable. I could talk about Michael Jordan 
all day long. Undefeated in the post or in the finals as well. Correct? Yeah. Correct. So yeah. you know that's kind of the feather in his cap that everybody the, the comparisons to to LeBron obviously are always relevant, but that's kind of the go to argument for good reason for yeah. for the MJ supporters is he's never won or I'm sorry he never lost the finals. Yep. So and to kind of just play off what you said about and not to open up a new can of worms or whatever, but the uh, the relationships now and compared to back then are just so different. Like you did not like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson hated to each other. fight yeah. each other. Yeah. Like, they didn't want to be friends to this nope. day. I they think wanted to compete and rip each other's heads off. And Michael was the same way. You know, and I think it, I think basketball was better for it. I, I agree. I, I think it's a little more. And a lot of guys now. didn't move around a whole lot when you were on your team. That was your team, and and that's who you stayed with. Um, but yeah, my guy is MJ. And I don't think that's a terrible pick. Awesome. Fantastic segment. That was fun. I enjoyed yeah, that. We, we covered a pretty good Nobody used yeah. the same sport. Yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. On to overtime. The overtime segment. Shootout. It's actually probably going to stay this every time because we enjoyed it so much. On the record with Andrew. This is going to be uh this is going to be fantastic this time because I have given them ahead of time a little taste of what uh they're going to be faced with in, in terms of answering but before we do that first I think we need to shout out the Facebook page voice uh facebook.com/vorsports please come visit us and you can watch all of this great content that we have or listen or listen whichever it is your preferred method of consuming entertainment. Yeah, all the all the links, all the other social media is going to be on our Facebook page. Uh, we've got an Instagram page, we have a YouTube page, and we have a Twitter page. Uh, we've yet to get Sam's Grinder page up and running. We also have I'm a really just going to make that same joke too. <laughs> Damn! All right, now that the self promotion is out of the way, unless if Sam wants to continue to talk about his Grinder profile, no, we're good. You just got to click the link. All right, on the record, let's go, Andy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get all of the VOR VOR Voices of Reason podcast members on the record, and what we're going to do is go around the room and have them opine on a specific topic. We're going to start with Sam. Remember I gave everybody a hint. Yours was probably the least vague, so I apologize. I don't remember what my hint was. I don't remember. I remember <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, you will be reminded. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, Sam. Go on. Uh, this month, published reports highlighted the demise of the Mike McCarthy era in Green Bay. Featured in the story was detailed drama supplies by for- supplied by former players such as Jermichael Finley and Greg Jennings of an apparent schism between McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers that had been going on for a number of years. They both come out and denied everything in the story. McCarthy is now unemployed. And we have a growing criticism that the McCarthy years in Green Bay were ultimately wasted. Agreed. Buy or sell the following statement. Over the past several years, we have been witnessing the slow downfall and demise of Aaron Rodgers' career play out in real time, but we are in denial and refuse to acknowledge it. Agree to I, kind of both. I mean, the last couple of years, wow, we really, take a firm stance. Come on, get on the record. We are on the record, but we are. the last, you know, the year, two years ago, he was injured. Last year, I, there was a report that he came out and was playing on a broken leg the entire year. Did you see that? Something like that, yeah. Um, let's just we'll call a spade a spade. Um, is it really a demise? The guy's like 360 touchdowns to 70 interceptions. Did they win what they should have won? No. Is that all on one player. I mean, McCarthy built kind of a clunker on defense. Um, Aaron Rodgers has, you know, succeeded with receivers like Greg Jennings, who went on to do what, where? Nothing. Nothing in Minnesota. Um, James Jones left and went to the Raiders and did what? Nothing. Came back to Green Bay and was like another thousand-yard season. 
this is the kind of guy that has made everybody around him better. He was, you know, getting, you know, eight, 900 yards rushing out of Ryan Grant and uh, who's that other role? James Starks. He, he you know, and playing, playing behind a, uh, a patchwork offensive line that was, you know, spearheaded by what, Brian Hulaga? Baby Beluga. Sorry. Um, I, I, I think for, you know, for my money, you know, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks I've watched play. However, he might suffer from Peyton Manning syndrome in that he just hasn't had the success in the postseason that a guy like Tom Brady has, or, you know, we'll go back and say Joe Montana. But the ability that this guy has, I mean, just the, the drives that he's orchestrated at the end of games. Remember that Dallas Cowboys playoff game, what, two years ago? Fantastic three years pass ago? To Jared Cook, I believe. I mean, was. that was just stupid. You talk about, you know, at the end of games, you know, with the game on the line, you know, Tom Brady making magic happen. How many times has Rodgers just, like, chucked a hope and a prayer up and some jackass has come down with the ball? But is the Aaron Rodgers magic running out? I guess it's kind of going to depend on Matt LaFleur. Let me ask you a question based on that with the new head coach. Um, there was a hot take that I read that apparently uh, this person believed, and let's see if you anybody agrees with this, that it is better to pair an elite quarterback with a defensive head coach compared as opposed to an offensive coordinator head coach because an elite quarterback can overcome bad play calling, but they cannot overcome bad defense. I would agree with that. Entirely. It makes a lot of sense because when you think about an elite quarterback, they're basically running their own game anyway. So why would you need an offensive-minded coach? Case in point, New England. Everybody forgets that Bill yes. Belichick is a defensive coach. That, that's probably that. the best example. And I'd say the, the best mm-hmm. example to be the antithesis of that would be uh, the Saints before their defense got good. Mm-hmm. Because you had Drew Brees doing a million things, but they never won anything. Would you consider Andy Reid an offensive or a defensive coach? Offensive. offensive? I mean, that's a dumb I, question. I, I, yeah, I think he's the play caller, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he okay. is. So... Correct me if I'm wrong. The, the whole premise of this is: Are you buying or selling the the schism between McCartney, McCarthy and Rogers, and kind of leading to the downfall of the Packers? Correct. Yes, I'm selling that all day, every day. And I'm not saying that McCarthy doesn't share part of the blame, but everybody kind of forgets Ted Thompson did nothing to surround that surround him or or put anything on the other side of the ball for years. Very fair criticism. So. And I get that there's different strategies. We just mentioned New England, and they're very hands-off when it comes to free agency, and it works for them. They're more of sellers uh, than, than buyers ever, and they kind of restock through the draft or what have you. The Packers kind of took that model and ran it into the ground. So they never addressed the offensive line, which has been an issue for years. They have never really put a premier playmaker around him. To Sam's point, he's kind of had just dudes and made the best out of them. But even a guy like a Peyton Manning or a guy like a Tom Brady have had at least someone that they have as like a number one guy. Mm-hmm. You look quite Who's who's Tom Brady's number one guy? Gronk. Currently nobody. But I mean, he had at least Randy Moss and Gronk for that stretch. Rodgers is. I mean, he's had guys like a Jordy Nelson, or I mean, he had Donald Driver for a, a hot minute and like that. But I mean, are those guys really number ones on any other team? You know, Jordy Nelson. Granted, he went to Oakland and was I think it was hundred years old. It was but, too late for him. Sure, but. I, th- I give credit to to Rogers for kind of getting the most out of these guys that probably peaked in Green Bay or, or overachieved in Green Bay because of Rogers' ability. I just I feel like the, the, the what could have happened. It's almost like the whole if he had stayed healthy thing. Well, what if Rogers had decent to above average pieces around him 
I mean, you look at that defense, it was always atrocious. Always. Even when they went to the Super Bowl. So, you mean, you had big names like a Clay Matthews and um, a Charles Woodson, Woodson, A.J. Hawk, but they never did anything with it. B.J. Raji, they never, it never amounted to anything. So, yeah, they they won a couple games. They've always had those, those iconic Hail Mary plays, but Rodgers and the Packers win in spite of the talent they have on that team. And I don't, and I, to this day, they haven't really addressed it in a way that's going to make Rodgers go down as one of the best from a statistic. I'm sorry, not a statistics, but from like a, a ring standpoint, he's probably not going to win another one because I just I don't think they've got the team around him to really justify his talent level. Real, real quick, Ryan, do you, given that you have um, said that you would like Mike Tomlin to move on, do you think the Steelers can suffer the same fate? I think there I, I mean, Mike Tomlin definitely needs to move on. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger needs to move on. I am not a huge Ben Roethlisberger fan. Never. Which blows my mind, by the way. As a Browns fan, I would have killed for a guy like Roethlisberger. I'm, not a, Kirk, I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. Yeah, I just. I mean, I think he's a good a, a good quarterback, a top five. But he's just never been a guy where I'm like, oh my god, I love Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I've never felt that way about anybody other than. I mean, Paul he's. Cover. He's never really done a whole lot like outside of football for the city. I mean, you don't hear of Ben Roethlisberger going out of his way or going and doing this and the allegations of the sexual assault. And now you hear all this stuff. I mean, mind you, it's from Richard Mendenhall that Roethlisberger is a racist. Pride of Illinois. Um, I just I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of of, of I think. I think what happens a lot of times, guys come become too comfortable with one another, and it, it, it is time to move on. You've I had a good run, that. you've had a good stretch. Now it, it might be time to to go a different way and go into a different direction. I know Pittsburgh's very loyal with their head coaches. I mean, we've discussed before. I mean, you've had three head coaches now in in thirty years, seventy, something like that. Jesus, it's mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and I know that the ownership is 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 pretty loyal until you do something to make them not be loyal to you. Um, I think Ben Roethlisberger's kind of been an exception, though, with all the different things that have have come out about him. Uh, and um, a, a guy I went to high school with, um, Mike Kokel, uh, played for played with me in in high school. Ended up going to the University of Miami and was Ben Roethlisberger's backup, and said he was an absolute dick. Even so when he was at Miami of Ohio, which is all fine and good, but the dude can sling the rock like like hardly anybody else. I understand that, but like I said, I, I think I think the path has run its course. Um, I'd like to see Mason Rudolph get a lot of time this this preseason. And, <laughs> he won't. Ben has anything to say. About well, I mean, chances are Ben's not going to play in the preseason. Yeah, uh, I mean, he might get a little play a half in in game number three, but I, I'd like to see what else they have behind them. Like we talked before, I think Mike Tomlin's become too much of a, a player's coach. And um, I, th- I think it's time to move on. I think going off with, you know, going with the topic, I think the Steelers and the Packers are kind of in that same boat. Where they, with the teams that they could have had or did have, they severely underachieved. You had a top five quarterback. You had arguably the best running back and best wide receiver. And you won. And you, you didn't do anything with it. No, you didn't do nothing with it. And it got to the point where you made – Two of those guys so incredibly uncomfortable and not wanting to be on the team no more that they both of them forced their way out of Pittsburgh. Masterfully. I mean, a lot of people would would kill to, to, to come and play for the Steelers. And 
both those guys wanted out. So there's got to be something going on that we don't know about behind the scenes that's going to force that issue. Very interesting dynamic that we face the NFL draft in a week and a half where people are going to be looking for Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger. And currently we have those guys in the league already and they're not winning as often as they probably should. And speaking of the draft, that'll give us hold, on, hold that thought one second. I know that I'm I'm not one to really shy away from boldness. And Go I, for it. As the resident Steeler fan in the room, you're probably going to think this is crazy. Ben Roethlisberger, bar none, best quarterback that franchise has ever had, including Bradshaw. I don't care about rings. He did it with defense. Ben Roethlisberger, for my money, is the best quarterback that team has ever had. I mean, they I have they haven't that. been known to have amazing quarterbacks. Well, I mean, they've got one in the Hall of Fame. That's it. That's all they've ever had, though. They had Terry Bradshaw, and they had Ben Roethlisberger. In between that, you had Bubby Brister, Mike Tomczak, Cordell Stewart, Tommy Maddox. And I think they played just as well with Tommy Maddox. I remember one season they played Kent Graham. That was pretty awesome. That's a name drop. All right, so Bradshaw, I mean... His, his numbers are pretty uh, yeah, but mediocre. I, I mean, the again, we talked about how the league is different in basketball now as it was back then. The same thing goes for the NFL. Oh, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I back mean, then it wasn't a throwing a throwing uh, offense. I mean, true. You ran the ball. You had big offensive linemen. Although, I mean, the wide receivers that they had when Bradshaw was there, you think they would have thrown it a little longer? Oh, he right. threw a lot of interceptions, though. He was he was good for that. So does Ben. That's because he was concussed half the time. I just feel like, and obviously the steel curtain defense is, is iconic. I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. Just there are guys where you're just like, I just can't really like, I would never buy a Roethlisberger Jersey. Like I would never buy Yeah. I understand that, but there aren't guys that might get the wrong idea. That are on teams that you've liked where everyone loves. And you're just like, yeah. Isn't it kind of crazy now that the Steelers are an offensive team considering yeah, for the uh, it's still in, a in, century they were. You talked defense, about you talked defense, about not shying defense. away from bold statements. Aaron Rodgers makes me go, man. I just again, uh, absolutely fair. I mean, fair take. I've never like. I think he's great. I think he's got. A, well, not great. I mean, he's got a good arm, but I just he just doesn't do it for me. I know you feel totally different, Sam. <laughs> Sam, what are your thoughts on that? I know, I know, and we've talked about this before. I just—it's just something that I don't want this to descend into madness. It already. No, it hasn't. That's the whole point of this. No, no, no. Keller and I are good at you know screaming at each other. We've done that before, and that's not right, well, even let, close to what I want. Well, let Sam make his point, then we'll move on. But I, I just want to know what you mean by mad. Like I'm, I'm assuming you mean kind of like ordinary, like we, rationale behind that. I just. I think he's top 10 quarterback. but Currently or of all time? Currently. Right. No, definitely not of all time. I think top 10 currently is a fair assessment. Yeah, but I mean, he's not someone that I'm going to I'm gonna freak out about. Like, I have to watch Aaron Rodgers play. Uh, there was a game earlier, early in the season last year, where he got hurt and came back. It was like, it's coming back to Jesus. Yeah, but I was just like, I was like, okay. I just... It just well, I mean, they were getting for shellacked for those like three and a half quarters that he was gone, and then he came back like in that last quarter, and, you know, that, that scored twenty one points. Say what you will about him, but that was amazing from an entertainment standpoint. That game. Oh, absolutely. So I, I think it hurts his his golden armor, so to speak. When you look at the new guys that are coming up, 
you know, to your point, is he a top 10, 15, whatever in the league? You got to look at guys like Mahomes and Goff and, and Wentz and, and some of the, the new blood, so to speak. And I love watching Pat it, Mahomes. It kind of tarnished, I don't want to say it tarnishes his legacy, but it takes him out of the conversation more easily when you have younger guys that are starting to kind of come into their own from a passing perspective. Yeah. All right. That was great. Old blood, new blood, rankings top 10. That fits very well within the next point and topic that we're going to talk about. Nick. It is now your turn to go on the record. Your hint slash topic that I gave you was college football. Aaron Sports, your your take. If you needed a reminder. Completely unnecessary. So, to begin, whether it was the BCS or the current playoff format that we have now, college football gives us a lot to argue about. When it comes to rankings, there may be no better sport that makes us lose our minds about arbitrary numbers than this. One aspect often debated, sometimes under the radar, is the preseason top 25 poll. Some have argued that it gives unfair advantages. Others claim the writers and coaches know what they're talking about. Nick, buy and sell the following statement, or sell the following statement. Preseason top 25 poll is not a good indicator of a new season's landscape, and we shouldn't be ranking teams until week three. Ryan looks very excited. I'll list two. I don't think that any team in college football should be ranked. I wouldn't even go week three. I'd probably go like week six or so. I feel like your first couple games are gimmies. And I feel like there's no reason. I mean, all you're basically doing is putting a target on someone like Alabama or Clemson's back. And when they schedule Florida Atlantic or Louisiana Lafayette or Air Force in the first three weeks of the season, you're not going to get a good feel for what that team's going to do. So I just want to jump in real, real quick. And I hate uh, Kyler looks like he's going to explode. I really want him to because <laughs> I really know what he's going to say. I'm ready. I'm ready. For what it. is the point of a preseason ranking, a pre-ranking before your your tournament rankings come out? Like, what is the point? The other the other thing that's the big issue with it is you got to realize that these schedules are made so ridiculously far in advance. Like, I know who Notre Dame's playing in 2022. 2029. They released who they're playing in. They're playing Alabama in 2029. I mean, we have a 10 year How am I supposed to know? Nick Saban is the coach. Right. Is Alabama going to be Alabama's number three in 2029? Or they could tank and be one in 10. And then you can only play who's on the schedule. Like that, I hate that argument. Like you can only, and, and I know, and I'm going to even segue to Ryan because a team like Notre Dame gets no respect because they're not in a division and they play, you know, I mean, if we're my, talk my, about my point, Coastal Carolina, my point has State nothing University. to do with Notre Dame. I am a diehard Notre Dame Man, fan. Really it has nothing to do if with Notre Dame. About, if we're going to talk about right, the playoff like system in general, it's going to be completely just like Keller. I, I really hate the top twenty-five preseason rankings. I hate it because people use the the preseason rankings and where they are, and they use it as weight and leverage later down the road that this team oh, beat this when they were ranked number four in the country. Well, this team's got three wins now, so that has nothing to do with the current state of that team. What week is the preseason or is the, um, the playoff uh, rankings released? Is it seven? Seven or eight. There should not be a ranking at all until that comes out. And then you rank your top twenty-five as the as as your normal rankings. I because mean, let's see, let's by be then here. these teams know what they have to do to make it in the playoffs. Yeah, it's not a secret. No, but but when it comes close, they use that as weight later in the year to say this team beat this team and they were ranked this, or this team beat this team and they were ranked that. Congratulations, who'd you play? You play nobody. By that time, you're already started to creep into your, your your conference play. You've got your power puff preseason games out of the way, and we can see what you're actually made out of, what kind of football team you are. 
If, if you start off and you win all your games, guess what? You're going to be ranked in the top four. That's how it should be. The preseason rankings drive me nuts. I hate them because you're eliminating players from the previous year and you're bringing them in and you're, you're giving your ranking without even seeing them play. Real quick, just to uh, just to sort of ask, and then we're going to let Sam explode because he looks like he is about to throw us all around the room. Um, do you think if we were to eliminate that, that would take away from like uh, week one upsets or anything like that, where like a, an Appalachian no. State beats a number three Michigan? No, if Appalachian State beats Michigan, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what their ranks. Because, Already happened. And, well, that yeah. too. Or like if you know Valdosta State beats Alabama, nobody okay. gives a nobody's going to care about the ranking because it's a school that. Good to form, know. I know it's all play. about money, and the reason they do it is for television views and that kind of stuff. But in the long term, I hate it. It drives me nuts. Hi there. This is John over from the contrarian section. <laughs> I really love it. Love the preseason. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. What, at the heart of it all, what are sports? Competition. Entertainment. Water cooler has topics. nothing to do with competition. It's all about entertainment. It gets people talking. It gets people caring. It gets people upset. If you think that these things aren't done intentionally to make people mad, ruffle feathers, or have people puffing themselves up like peacocks, you're out of your mind. Very good no, point. To your, to your guys' point, in the, in the grand scheme of things, they don't hold a lot of weight when it comes to the end of the season and whatnot. However, comma, as a diehard Ohio State fan or a diehard Clemson or USC or whomever, what you look at those rankings. You can't tell me that you don't. They do hold weight because it gets people talking. It gets people excited. It causes a reaction of some kind. So, so you tell me that if an Ohio State was playing, say they scheduled Alabama in the regular season. Which they would never do. I, uh, why? Notre Dame did it. Yeah, but they're better. Ouch. In 20 years. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyways, my point. So say you schedule those guys at the beginning of the season. Are you telling me that that game's not going to hold as much weight because there's not a little tiny number in front of both of those names? I'm not saying I, I agree with you that when it kind of gets toward the meat of the season, that it holds a lot more weight. But you can't just abandon a preseason ranking or even for the first couple weeks. Like you saw, I mean, case in point, T saw, TCU last year though, everyone was making a huge deal that was it Ohio State beat a number four TCU yeah, they were number team. Four. How many games did they win at the Six. end of the year? So you're telling me they deserve that number four ranking because of who they brought back from Absolutely. last year? No. Absolutely. How? How did they deserve it? Because it's a predictive factor of how the season's Then why does out. it hold weight? It shouldn't hold weight if it's just predicting. Okay. That's well, like... Do the rankings change that the season? Yes. There you go. But but people <laughs> use... Game, you, you improve. Yes, you but people, people use... Well, those, people use those numbers at the beginning of the year, later in the year, in debates as to why their team should be in or out. And it should hold no weight because that team was not a number four ranked team. At that current moment, probably not. No. That little number but is you, not going to make sense. That's you why you wait. You it all together because then you have... Like, I'm not saying it all together, but let them, let them get into the heart of their schedule yeah. and let them actually play something before you say this team is this good or this team is this bad. I do want to interject real quick because upon researching this topic, I did come across a study that was done a while back that uh, showed that it, the preseason ranking was actually a good indicator of um, bowl matchups, not particularly who was going to play who, but who would beat who if they ended up getting matched together. Like um, there was one season South Carolina started uh, ranked number nine in the preseason top 25. They went six and Holy six. Holy hell, really? Yes. They, they went, Jesus. They went. They finished the season six and six. Shaw? And in their, I don't remember. It was a long oh time ago. God. And I, in their bowl game, they beat a team that was ranked lower than them 
to uh, to start the season. So apparently, between it was They're like six and six, they don't deserve to be in a bowl. Well, they, yeah, they made it. Apparently, apparently, a high percentage of teams that are ranked high in the preseason top twenty-five end up winning whatever bowl game they get into if they play somebody that's ranked that was ranked lower than them. So it's kind of a good indicator of performance in that point. But at the same time, I, I get what Ryan's talking about, where if you have a team that starts the season ranked two and then they lose, because there is this sort of, I don't know if it's arbitrary or, or whatnot, but there's this argument to be made that if you beat a good team and they don't win out, that doesn't look as good for you. Is that not how? No, it doesn't, it? because that was the argument that was made against Ohio State a couple of years ago, is that, oh, you beat, like last year, we're, we talk about, we talked about Michigan. So last year, Michigan had a bad year. Okay. As they often Michigan do. lost two games. Three. The bowl game. But that's that's a bad year. For their for, for Michigan. For yeah, that's like know. that's that's I mean let's that's absurd. So so I, I pulled up the preseason rankings right now. Oh god. Cool. So number one, Clemson. Correct. Number okay. two, Alabama. Okay. That's oh, number three. So hold on. So that reaction right there completely justifies my argument. Then why put a number? Always, if you already know you that already they're know, that good. Why put the number there? Because you already know. So why wouldn't you? Okay, throw, so, throw so, so, so you're, you're telling me, though, number three is Oklahoma. They deserve sure. to be. Why? So in week, they lost their starting quarterback. They're returning four guys on offense. Doesn't matter. So in week one of college football, in week one of college football, you are more likely to watch Alabama play Ohio State because the number three and the number four are next to them versus just watching Alabama play the Ohio State. Well, Bucks. that kind of contradicts your point about the schedules being made years in advance. Like that, it doesn't. Make your opponents are chosen. Okay, so Notre Dame's number six. Great. Do I think Notre Dame's the number six team in the country? No, I don't. So, and I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan that? because what makes me think that they're Correct. not number Correct. six? I've I've watched every single game they play. I know who they're coming back. I know who they lost. Who did they finished last year. Uh, were they in the conversation for the championship? For I, the think, yes, I think it was just outside yes. of it. No, they, okay. they were in. They lost. They, they, got, lost. they got smoked by Clemson. Got beat by Clemson. I have my years yeah. crossed. Yeah, so, they were 12 and 1 last year. Yep. So, so that that right there, why wouldn't it justify having them getting a decent rank to start the season? Well, what what does that mean? Yes, change. Doesn't yes, matter. people come and go, but you kind of have to throw them a bone from what they were able to do. To that I, I think too much weight is put on the preseason rankings when it comes towards the end of the year on who beat who and what were they ranked. To that point, doesn't that sort of throw out the old phrase, um, last year doesn't matter? And, and no, and in, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't because, it, as we've talked about, anything can happen on any given Saturday or whatever. Okay. You know, because they play them every day now. But it, 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 you have to justify it in some way, like number from a getting people talking about a standpoint, and you have to kind of base. I mean, we have last year as our as our basis. That's that's all we have. We can predict as much as we want about how the next year is going to go or whatever. But you have to look at it from a, a, a systematic approach of but these teams did this, so they're more than likely to do this. Why not wait and get all the facts? Well, and, and that's why they update them. So you're telling me that they're to completely abandon it from all from the so so as, so if you have if you have poor information but then you figure out the right information your poor information just gets set aside because it's that's what it was at the time it's what you you it's what you have in front of you I hate the information it. is these teams were good last year they'll likely be good again but that's not how it change? goes sure now to your point about how it has such a a big effect later in the season 
and how the, the system is weighed and all that, that I will listen to all day. But to completely abandon it, then what is the point of having rankings, period? I just think, wait to have the rankings. So but, let me just play hypothetical for one second. So let's just say we, we eliminate preseason rankings, you know, the first two, three, four, five, whatever. You know, eliminate the rankings until the, the not B, it's not the BCS anymore, but the... The playoff. The, 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 the you know, the rankings that matter come out. <laughs> sure. So we'll just say, we'll just, like, pick four teams. Team A is, you know, 8-0. No. Team B is 11, or 7-1. Uh, Team C is 7-1. Team B or D is, you know, 8-0. No. How do you rank them? You look and see what the teams that they beat and lost what their records are at that time, and then give them a ranking at that time. So, for the so, what you're saying is the first weeks, of, three weeks of the season don't matter. Not in ranking wise. Why? You That's see, when your most upsets happen. Then you take that into account when the those preseason rank. No, you take that into account when you determine how good that team actually is. Right. So as you go through the season, it actually how good it, they are. It actually updated accordingly. Yes, but it, so say you rank a team that's twenty fifth, and you have the team that's number five, and the team that's number twenty five beats the team that's number five. Okay. Well, then when you go forward, if team that number was number five didn't really deserve to be there, does that show a whole lot of credit for the team that was twenty five beating them? Do they do do they or do they not get it right at the end of the season? Not all the time. Not all the time. Okay. With the exception, uh, like, the so there's two or three teams that are on the outside looking in, more than likely. So, But we know who the best teams are. Okay, so you get you get to the end, and there's th- one spots one, two, and three are are all are already are already in, in where they're supposed to be. Okay. Right. So you have team four, five, and six who are basically the same record. So you're going to look and be like, oh, this team beat a number five week three of the season. When that team that's number five didn't even deserve to be there because the rest of their season has been crap. So, so they don't base it off of where the team ends at the regular se- at the end of the season. They base it off of where they were at that time. But you could argue that the end of season results are just as arbitrary as the beginning of season results. No. Or rankings, rather. No. Because if you look at a team like a UCF. You're telling did, did they Damn, they never ever in any way, shape, or form in anybody's mind deserve to be in the national championship conversation, let alone the game. Hey, I don't care what you say. They beat no one, they play no one, and they probably finish in the top ten. But you take yes, that no. you take that into into consideration with the rankings. So how's it different than a number 10 team at the end of the season who we all know wouldn't beat a, a pop Warner team, but the number five team in the preseason poll, we have to discount that. Ryan, I'm going to give you the last word. <laughs> it's, it's, we'll move on. It's because... They were you, my national champion. They're not a national champion. Right! <laughs> because you, you figure out after they've actually played people to determine where they belong. But they went undefeated and still finished as a top ten team. So? So they're completely discounted and discredited from the conversation of the national team. So the team, because you you take in, when they do these playoffs, it's not just the record that they take into consideration. It's who they've played and where they're at. So, okay, UCF, they beat a bunch of guys, right? They went undefeated. They beat a bunch of nobodies. Yeah, exactly. So what? You're you're making the argument against yourself. No, I'm not. You're saying that they should have a higher ranking because they went undefeated. When no, I didn't. didn't beat anybody. I didn't say that they should get a higher ranking. They beat the, teams the reason they got the ranking they got was because they didn't play anybody. Right. So, so why not wait until like teams are established and you know 
Who's who and, and what is what? And chaos has been. What, what's <laughs> and, the description of the podcast? At least that talks. And, and then determine something about chaos. <laughs> I'm all for keeping ecosystem to talk about. I love. Well, I can't wait till we discussion. actually talk about the college football playoffs because that's going to be even worse. I love this discussion, but we do have to move on because we are uh, against the clock. We do have Game of Thrones coming up tonight, and we need people to be able to watch that. Yeah, I got an hour drive home. So yeah, I need to watch this for the first time in my life. So we're, we, we got two. We got two more questions left. We'll make these quick. Yeah, okay. <laughs> John, you're up next. Your hint was the 2016 Cavs. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Very excited. To Three years this. ago, Cleveland fans were victorious. The first NBA championship in Cleveland Cavs history was also the first championship the city of Cleveland got to celebrate in what felt like two lifetimes. Fair. Ending the drought, the Cavs raised the trophy in dramatic fashion after being down 3-1 to one to Golden States. Since then, things haven't been going so well. LeBron is gone. Again, the Indians lost the World <laughs> Series. <laughs> And the Browns didn't win a game that one year. Yay! As it currently stands, the Cavs are a disaster. The Indians are one bad first half away from having a midseason fire sale. And the Browns are only now figuring out how to shred the stigma and providing the hype. Buy or sell the following statement, Mr. John Moffat. Oh boy. For the next 10 years, the only chance the city of Cleveland has to experience another major sports championship lies only with the Browns. Oh. I'm going to buy it. And, and it's not so much for the rec- for the reasons that you guys are probably thinking, but um, the Cavs are a dumpster fire. Uh, it's it's obvious of that you know they're they're kind of in that let's hope to God that we get the top pick in the in the lottery mode, which is not going to not going to happen and not a sound strategy to rebuild a franchise. Now, before I move on, I do want to say this because um, as a diehard Cleveland fan, pretty much across the board, that moment is indescribable. That that 2016 championship, it happened on Father's Day. I remember texting my dad like, hey, this is what it feels like to be a championship. You know, a champion, I love you. Like, happy Father's Day. Cool moment. Super cool. I'd love to experience it again. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I guess the, the, the bad side of having LeBron on your team is you have LeBron on your team and he kind of runs the show, no matter who's in charge ahead of him. So you can say what you want about him, good, bad, and all that, but he kind of handcuff the team a little bit by all the the, the 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 just LeBroning that he does. He pretty much forced Kyrie out of town, who was your future. Like, I get it. There's a power struggle. You want LeBron to win it, but in reality, you probably should have dealt LeBron because he's right at the end of his career. Kyrie's looking like one of the best, brightest future stars. But, you know, that, that whole thing's a mess. The Indians are just so... Hot and cold. Fire mm-hmm. sale. You know, I, I predicted last time that they are going to be sellers come uh, come the trade deadline this year, and they've kind of proved me wrong. Now they're they're on a they were starting out really well. They've kind of come back down to earth. There, I don't want to talk about markets. I don't want to talk about payrolls and things like that. But the the Indians have to have so much go right to, to the AL Central is really bad, right? And, and you have to have so many factors working your favor when you're a, a small market, low payroll team like they are. To to kind of get everything together. The, what was it? Was it 17 when they made the World Series? Or was yeah. it 16? 16. 16. So that was your chance right there. And I, I anyone who knows me, as soon as I, the NLCS ended and it was the Cubs that won it, I said, that's it. We we just lost it the World Series. It could have been anybody else. It could have been anybody but the freaking Cubs. So they had their window, which is rapidly closing, if not slammed shut right now. You've got decent starting pitching. Your offense is pretty... You just lost Cleveland He's not allowed to touch a baseball for six to eight weeks. Your offense is less than unspectacular. It's it's pretty pedestrian. You know they've scored 
not a lot of runs. I, I don't know it, but and to their credit, they've kind of overcome. They were eight and one or eight and two at one point, and as I just looked at there, I think they're eight and seven now. So I think they just got swept by the Royals. Yeah. I so, so I mean, it, it's and, and baseball is a disgustingly long season, so there's a lot to play out. But the way they operate their their team with the with the, they get rid of guys at their peak because they can't afford to keep them, and then they go elsewhere and have major success. And you kind of hope that the next round of guys you develop is as good or better. Um, Small it's market just, hard. It's, it is. It's very difficult. Honestly, they need to be sold to someone who can afford or is willing to afford the ability to bring in major names, which sucks. I hate saying that because I don't like the way that baseball is constructed in that way. But to get back to your point, um, this is kind of the first time that the Browns have been taken seriously in a long time uh, for good reason. You know, I, I kind of put that woe is me post on, on the page a couple of weeks ago about like, let's pump the brakes. We don't want to have a second half of the 2008 season where everything kind of fell apart. This team is vastly different. Um, they've got young guys at all the right positions. They've got the biggest free agent signing in, in possibly Cleveland history with John Dorsey as general manager. I think that was the smartest thing the Haslam's have ever done, uh, Jimmy and D. Haslam being the owners, because it got a legitimate football person in the most important p- position. You, gone are the days of Mike Holmgren clocking it at 10 and leaving it at 3. Gone are the days of Phil Savage and Tom Hecker kind of just looking at each other like, what are we supposed to do? Ray Farmer was a glorified puppet as a general manager. So they have a guy in charge who knows what he's doing, is a proven winner, and has built teams like Green Bay and the Chiefs to what they, well, we kind of crapped all over Green Bay earlier. We did a little bit. They, he did, where the, the peak that they got to was because of him. Look, the Chiefs offensively, that's all him. That, that's, that's got Jordan Dorsey's fingerprints all over it. So, for the first time in a long time, there's legitimate hope in Cleveland that's justified. And, and I think that as long as you can keep guys like Baker and Odell and Nick Chubb and a lot of the guys on defense who are are young on their first contracts, um, as long as you can keep those guys healthy and put it all together, man, that team can be dangerous. And it's coming at a good time because your Tom Brady's, your Ben Roethlisberger's, your Drew Brees's, even your Aaron Rodgers's, they're going to be gone within the next three to five years, if not sooner. It does feel like a transition. It, it opens the door for Cleveland to be a, a bona fide contender in the AFC. Now, you've certainly still got other teams, but it, it's it's a real chance for them to make some noise. I think it's crazy that you think about the reaction that happened around here in 2016 when the Cavs won. It's what, almost like what it a lot of people matter anymore. Though. What a lot of people don't get either, and it's it's not it's uh, people around here get it. It's a national media kind of thing. The Cavs have never been the Cleveland team. Nor will they ever. The Cavs are not Team A. They're not Team B. They're barely Team C in Cleveland. You got to living here. If the Browns win. Anything that river will be on fire again for the first time in fifty years. It's much cleaner than it used to be. It probably won't be. <laughs> we'll make it. We'll, won't all the confetti that will be in it. To your point, if, if the Cleveland Cavaliers announced tomorrow they were moving cities to Seattle or wherever, people would be upset. But it is what it is. If the Indians were to move, people would be upset. But it is what it is. I the, the Indians Cleveland might. Browns fans petitioned the NFL to bring our team back. And like, the audit. We literally took the NFL hostage and said, "Hey." We need the Browns. We we fought like hell to keep the colors, the history, all that. The Ravens were going to be the Baltimore Browns until the city of Cleveland swelled and said, no, 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 we're keeping all of it. This is us. 
So that that kind of is the history. I agree with you. The Browns will always be Team A and A one in Cleveland. Everybody else is kind of Indians are B by far over the Cavs. But but from a, a, a pretty large gap. Um, but you know, again, to your point, I think this is the this is the time that the Browns can really grab that next brass ring and, and make all the moves they need to to move forward and win the Super Bowl. Future does look unpredictable for the city of Cleveland, but the Browns do have some hope. For the immediate future, though, we will now segue to the last segment. I saved this one for last because I'm most intrigued by this. We get to talk about hockey, Ryan's favorite thing. Yay. The NHL playoffs. We're not talking about playoffs this year. We're talking about playoffs next year. Playoffs? It's been reported that the NHL and the NHL Players Union have agreed to continue the current playoff format for an additional season. Next year's playoffs will mark the seventh year using this format. Some fans agree that they like it. Some don't. Uh... Buy or sell the following statement, Mr. Ryan Keller. Current NHL playoff format is good, creates excitement throughout the entire postseason, and they should adopt it permanently. I love it. I had a feeling you would say that. I do. Um, even even if my team's not in it, I find my which is probably going to happen here in the next day or two. I, I find myself tuning in. It's the the hardest trophy in all sports to win. Um, there's just a different feeling between a, a playoff hockey game and a regular season game. Um, I've been to a lot of sporting events, a lot of professional sporting events. There is nothing that compares in my mind to playoff hockey. I've been to, we used to go to game one of the, the first series every year. And uh, 2016, we had the opportunity to go to game um, first game in Pittsburgh for the Stanley cup finals. And it's it's unbelievable. There's there's nothing like it. The current format is you have you know two wild cards uh, on each side. There's 16 teams. Um, they each play seven games. Um, if it goes into overtime, last night there was a triple overtime. Um, you, you play until someone scores. You continue to play periods until someone scores, and it's entertainment at its at its highest peak. I thought that was interesting when I was researching the topic because they don't reseed. No, and because that could. Potentially make the road very difficult. Yeah, they, they they leave it they leave it as is. And you think that's okay? Like some of the more marquee matchups might happen in round two as opposed to the conference championship. Yeah, um, I, I mean you've had the the Penguins and the Washington Capitals the past three years have met each other in in the second round of the playoffs, True. and each one has gone on to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that was the thing that intrigued me the most. I, I think this playoff format's great. I, I no reseeding just. Who you get is yep. who you get. That's fantastic. Do you think though, in 2021, when they're going to be facing realignment with the Seattle expansion, do you think it might something might change then? No, I mean it didn't change when they brought Vegas in. Okay, that's true. Um, I, I I think the fans enjoy it. I don't think there's really any reason to to change what you got. You got a good thing going right now. Um, Stanley Cup playoff hockey is just it's top notch. Playoff hockey also feels like it goes by like basketball. They both start at the same time, but it seems like basketball just drags on and on and on and on. And the NHL playoffs, oh, you can't wait for the next game. And they, they they make it so that every night there's playoff hockey on TV. I've noticed that there's a game on all the time. Yep. So they, they broke it up so that on one night there's four games and then the next night there's four games and you have a day in between each game. Um, they've just they've set it up so that if, if you're a hockey fan, um, you're you're gonna get what you want. You're gonna get high quality, intense, tough, fast, hard hitting playoff hockey. Do you think they should just rip off the band aid and just 
I mean, why do it for just one year? Yeah, I don't know the reasoning behind why doing it for just an additional year. Um, I don't know if they're planning on trying something else um, and they're still in the works of doing that. Um, but I mean, I'm sure if they pulled, you know, hockey fans that they're going to be like, just live it alone. Yeah. I think once you get it acclimated to something, change is very difficult. Yeah. You know, I don't know a lot about hockey. You know, I think that's pretty fair to say, but I will say, I feel like they're, they might be the most progressive sport in terms of doing what they feel is best for the game. Um, baseball, you, you've constantly got the, the two arguments of we need to make it better, but we need to maintain the integrity of the history. Football is kind of all over the place with rule changes and suggestions and whatnot. Basketball, I, they, I mean, I couldn't tell you really a whole lot of changes they suggest a lot of the time. But hockey, I think, does its best to preserve the experience for the fans while also putting out a premier product. Um, again, not really watching a whole lot of it, but playoff hockey is, when it's on TV, I will watch it, and it's phenomenal. Um, I think there's more drama. For example, and a lot of it has to do with the stories and whatnot, but I, I was cheering for the, the Knights in Vegas because what a cool story. You know, inaugural season, they go to the final, you know, they, they're going to the playoffs, and everybody's like, hey, let's get behind them. That's just a cool story. But, you know, to back to the point at hand is I, you don't hear a lot about – I guess any kind of tension in hockey or or people that are are on the other side of the fence of why are they doing this? Why are they messing with the game? Everybody kind of comes to the understanding that it's doing the right thing for the sport and and you know progressing forward. So, so a, a couple things, really cool. a couple things real quick um, with player safety as well. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about like changing rules and keeping the integrity of the game and like fighting was a big deal and you still have fighting in the sport. Um, it doesn't happen as often, and you very rarely see it happen in the playoffs. If it does happen in the playoffs, it's usually a guy who's really trying to get his team going, and they need they need a real big kick in the butt. Yeah, uh, you'll see it then. Um, hockey has a thing called Hockey's for Everybody. Um, it's their big promotion that they run throughout the a certain time of the year where they promote it for the LBG. T is there another one? Q, Q uh, community um, for women. Um, they're pushing the sport for women very, very hard. Uh, this was the first year that they had a woman participate in the All Star Game. Uh, she ran uh, uh, Schofield. Um, what's her name? I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Uh, she ran the fastest lap. Okay, and she actually beat like half the field. That's of, uh, of the guys. I mean, my brother's niece plays hockey in Missouri, and she's like. Yeah, Eight. and the growth and of the, plays with the guys. The growth of the the, the growth of the sport is just, uh, I mean, every single year leaps and bounds. When they announced that the team was going to be in Seattle, they were trying to figure out what they could do. Tickets sold out for the season. I like it. their season tickets, it was like in fifteen minutes they sold all their season tickets out for that for that uh, the team in, that's coming in Seattle. So I, I think hockey's in a great place. You've got some some older guys who are still showing how good they are. Uh, Sidney Crosby is still the best in the world, um, but you got guys like uh, Conor McGregor and uh, Kucherov. We talked about him in in Tampa, Um, uh, Matthews in Toronto. Um, There's a lot of guys who are are bringing up the fresh new talent, and they do a good job at rotating those guys in and making them the faces of the league. Fantastic. So I don't want to go off topic here, but I do have a question for you. I'm kind of interested to hear your answer. Why do you think hockey doesn't get the popularity it probably should? Why didn't you watch hockey? 
Um, the, the, the biggest, the biggest thing I hear when I ask people why, you know, I was just talking to my brother the other day. He's like, I can't get into it. I'm like, why? He's like, I don't understand the rules. That was going to be my okay. answer. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And the, the thing is what people don't understand is the icing and offsides. And it's two of the easiest rules to understand. If someone just, if you just, you can look it up on Wikipedia and it tells you what icing is. And you're like, oh my God, that's really, that's what it is. I take that back, actually. I sort of know icing and like offsides from having watched the Mighty Duck movies, which probably isn't the best way to learn material. Or the best. I do want to change my answer. Uh, I would like to change my answer that I didn't watch a lot of hockey because maybe I didn't understand uh, player positioning and strategy. It's, and all it's that not stuff. on. That's the other thing, too. It's like, it's it is. Your local, your local market will have it on. Um, here, the Penguins on are on ATT Sports Network, if you get it. Columbus is on FSN Ohio. Yeah, I feel like there's Columbus games on all the time. Yeah, uh, and then nationally, they do what's called Wednesday Night Rivalries on the NBC Sports Network. Every single Wednesday night during hockey season, you have two of the biggest teams, like the big, bigger names, or depending on where they're currently ranked, going against one another. Um, but I, th- I think a big thing is the rules. Like... You talked about like positioning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have three forwards and two defensemen. There's only there's only ten guys minus the goalies, but mm-hmm. to ten skating players on the ice. Right. And I found when I first started watching hockey, the more I watched it, the more I understood. Mm-hmm. I looked up what icing was because I was 100 percent sure. Sure. All icing is is the two line pass. Right. It's to prevent you from throwing the puck all the way down from one end of the ice to the other. To waste time. Yeah. You have to cross the center line, and then you can hit the puck wherever you want. Yeah. And then offsides is just like soccer offsides. Sure. The player can't cross the line before the puck does. Hockey's, hockey's done a very good job of making their sport more family-friendly, too. And, and I recommend ten years. Ago. It, it can be somewhat difficult watching it on television. But if you, don't, if you can't track the puck, track the players. Mm-hmm. Because the players are moving towards the puck. That's so true. if you can't find where the puck is or watch where the puck's at, just watch the players go into the certain area and that's where the puck is. That's where they're going to it. But I, I highly recommend even, sorry, even if it's a, a minor league game, go watch it live. Um, try to understand, you know, what's going on that way. A lot of the programs and books have the rules and stuff listed all in them. A lot of them self-explanatory hooking, cross-checking, tripping. So I think the big thing for me is the reason I never really got into it is very, and it's a lot like soccer. I will admit uh, very often the offense just isn't there, and I like offense. It's, I mean, baseball suffers the same fate a lot of times where I don't want to see a pitcher's rule. I think those are terrible. I don't want to see a one to nothing game. I want to see a slugfest. I want to see 20 to 10. You know, that's why I think the NFL is so popular because they, more often than not, the games are shootouts and people like that. So, you know, the, the times that I have got to experience a hockey game, it, it's been, beneficial to me because it's been high scoring, high scoring through hockey standards. Well, but. just don't, don't count the goals and start counting the hits. I don't. I, I do. I do agree with that sentiment that the hockey game for me to be entertaining doesn't need to be high scoring because it's just nothing but constant movement. They're always going. There's no, there's no break unless it's the end of the period or they have to do a, a face-off. I guess. I like the Zamboni. That's fun. That's my favorite. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's our on the record segment. Ran a little bit long, but I think we all got some very, very good debate out of that. Yeah, we're we're trying to get this podcast to be around an hour and a half. That's going to be our our, our goal. Um, I know we did run a little longer this time. Um, if you stayed with us, we really appreciate it. Uh, make sure to check out our Twitter, uh, our Facebook. Um, our Facebook's probably what we do the most through. Um, I post links to the Facebook page on Twitter. 
Um, and hopefully um, you guys like what you're here. You come back. Please comment with uh, topics for us to talk. Yeah, about. correct. Um, we, we, we like to, to have feedback too. Um, all, all feedback is good, positive and negative. It gives us an opportunity to improve if there's something you don't like. Uh, if there's something you do like, it gives us an opportunity to, again, improve on that as well um, to keep growing and, and getting better. Um, so for Andy, Nick, John. Sam, <laughs> I'm Ryan. Hope you guys had fun. John wants to say something else. Real quick before we sign off uh, for, for good on this topic, I, I do want to ma- mention that we just completed our uh, fantasy mock draft a couple days ago. So basically what we did is each of us was designed a division uh, and we had to act as GMs for the respective four teams for that division and kind of work the draft out involving trades and whatnot. It's crazy. Other. A it's couple other so people fun. that aren't on the podcast that are part of Voices of Reason that participate in it. So Hashtag Brent Sire, Brian Steiner. You'll see a couple of their uh, choices. So it, it's a lot of fun. That'll be up on the page here in the next couple days. It's in no way, shape, or form meant to be taken serious. No, it's... it's <laughs> I mean, maybe the first, like, three picks after that. Yeah, chaos. it gets fun. So thanks, guys. Hope we gave you a reason to come back and listen to our voice. I did it again. I think I like it. Hi. It's good. It's kind of catchy. <laughs> Until we think of something else, that's what we're going to use. It's natural. Everybody watch Game of Thrones. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next week or two weeks. Bye.